11 o'clock comics episode 221 Nary, nary a crackle in earshot. Oh, could we actually pull it off this week? Let's hope. It would be nice, wouldn't it? I, I'm, I don't mind the you're breaking up. That's okay because it only happens twice. The the other thing with the the whoosh and the and the, the crumpling paper that was freaking annoying. Not a good look. No, no, but I don't think it was as invasive as you made it up. You were like, oh, it's pretty terrible. It was pretty bad, dude. It was pretty terrible. Did you listen back? Yes, it only happened like three times. Well, and, no, that's and, true. Th- this past week wasn't as bad as the week before. It didn't happen at all this past week. No, there were a few. Yeah, no, that it did. Yeah, the whooshing and shit happened. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't hear it. Well, I've got I've got a completely wiped and rebooted operating system. Nice. Yeah, you do. So if yeah, it was my fault. Because I thought two weeks ago it was maybe because I was upstairs and the wireless connection was just weak and you know it was like messing with it. So I recorded downstairs last last week, right next to the to the heat, the Wi-Fi, and uh, that's why I was like, and it, it seemed like we still had the problem. And I was like, ugh. Well, you know how I can tell if the whoosh is happening? I open up the system preferences, I go into sound, and on the input underneath the microphone, whenever it would whoosh, I would actually see the meter go to okay. the right. And mm-hmm. it's not happening, and it didn't happen last week. So I'm like, why didn't I see it? Well, let's get to talking about comics then before it gets wonky. Oh, well, we're still on the uh, the intro Bad stages, wonky. so we. Got, oh, I know it's true. Yeah, got a couple of seconds to go. Oh, geez, it's a long one, huh? A little bit. And I got it to be. Did you go Warhol's? see Roger Waters? Now you're playing like the Wall or something? No, no. The Roger Waters, God love him, his best days are far behind him. Dude, you know what I gotta say? I didn't. I Field this year. I was gonna say I didn't I didn't go, but um a bunch of the guys I know here um went to uh see him uh this past weekend at the uh Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium, mm-hmm. yeah. They said it was freaking awesome. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, I'm a, I don't know. I, I checked into David Gilmore's last couple and I was like, Wow, it sucks to get older. You know what's cool about Roger Waters though? I heard him on Stern and he spent like thirty years being really bitter, but now he's over it. How does that like happen? Not, how do you just like not? How do you just be over it? Just wake up and just oh, be like, you, you know, dude, you're, you're the. I mean, you, you of all people, you've no. You but a, I, what I'm saying to carry it for 30 years and then all oh. of a sudden, eh, no more of that. Well, he said he had a. He sort of he had just like a change of perspective. He got you know he got to a certain point in his life and he was like, why am I like? Why does it bother me? Yeah, I could have been and making he, bank all those years. That's I what he's probably think, saying. He's, yeah, he's he's making pulling plenty of Lucini for sure. Yeah, <laughs> if he just stayed with Pink Floyd, you never know. Yeah, yeah. Hey, everybody. 11 o'clock comics, 221. I'm Vince B. What up? What up? Hi. The sky <laughs> is up. Jesus. And I'm Chris Naseman. <laughs> uh, I'm up because I'm talking to my boys. I'm David Price. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're moving on up, too, like the Jeffersons. Yeah. And, yeah. And I am, of course, coming at you because I'm Wes Mantooth. You're not West Mantooth. You're not. Yeah, you're not. No, you're not. I wish you're, I was. You're Jason Wood, everybody. <laughs> I just rewatched that this week. It is if that movie is hilarious every time you watch it. An- Anchorman, for those who don't know. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And they're making a second one, right? Yeah, I know. They're that's, making a sequel. That's why I rewatched it because it is I fantastic. To, I have to give Will Ferrell some credit because. Oh. You know, 
there there are times when you you rewatch movies like I rewatched the uh, Raimi Spider Man this weekend with the boys, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and uh, I really thought it didn't hold up. Like I I I almost disliked it intensely this time after loving really? it. Really, the the, fir- the one, yeah, the original, yeah. But I think it was more just because of the like this, you know the just the time and 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 sort of a different perspective on what superhero movies can be. But you know sometimes huh. you watch movies that you loved, but especially comedies. But then because you already know the jokes, they're just not fun anymore. Like um. Um, which, um, what the hell like, is that? Oh, mean? the joke that, that, uh, Kirsten Dunst is supposed to play someone attractive? Yeah, that's a good wow. one. Wow. Uh, I think the joke wow. was on us from leaving Ouch. the bra back in the dressing room. <laughs> well, like, Ouch. like, um, I don't know, like, like the hangover, right? Like, the hangover was really funny the first time. Uh huh. Yeah. But, like, I watched the yeah. second time. Just, I knew all the jokes, so it really. Oh, you mean the hangover too? Which was the well, same no, movie. I, did, I mean, actually, if you rewatched the first hangover, it's What just about not... old school? Would old school care? Would, old uh, school is still hilarious. Okay. And that's what I was going to say. So I've rewatched Anchorman you know? and Talladega Nights in the last two weeks, uh-huh. and they're both still hilarious. Yes, they are. We will watch. Even if it's on, like, TBS or con- even if it's edited on regular television, Renee will stop whatever she's doing and watch Talladega Nights. Dude, she that movie is funnier. I watched it. Th- I laughed more this time than I watched it when I first saw it. It's, I, it's actually it's, funnier, I think, now. Baron Cohen is great. It is there. I have there's a dude at work who is a diehard, hardcore NASCAR fan. He refuses to watch Talladega Nights. His loss. <laughs> it is his loss because his it just it pokes fun at to his de- his father-in-law oh, at the dinner table. Yes. After he's thanking ba- little baby Jesus, little baby eight, eight pounds. Uh, that's the, like the best ten minutes. Yeah. That ten minutes. <laughs> awesome. Will Ferrell is a goddamn oh, genius. He, you know, but that's the thing. My point is, is he, you know, he kind of. I think he's he's kind of, you know, he had that spike, inevitable spike of stardom, and then I think he's kind of waned late, late, lately. But in rewatching his quote unquote classics, they're still hilarious. And yeah. the reason I wanted to be West Mantooth is because Vince Vaughn generally is hilarious too. Upon rewatch, he holds his his roles are generally still funny, even if the movies he's in aren't. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you think? Like, um, oh, what's the uh, he and uh, Favreau? Uh, the, their movies from the Swingers. early nineties. Swingers. Swingers, Swingers and and then there was the the second one. Um, it was made, but it wasn't really a sequel. It was just yeah, made. Yeah, it, yeah, it was. I, I loved Swingers. Like when it came out, I probably watched it fifteen twenty times. Like I adored it. But that's a movie where now that I rewatch it, I it it was like I didn't know it at the time, but it was sort of like a precursor to the whole hipster movement. And yeah. so now I can't watch it and enjoy it as much. Yeah. Vince Vaughn got to see Jennifer Aniston's titties like up close and personal. That gives him high points in my book, man. Got to do more than that, man. Chicago. Yeah. Oh, speaking of remakes, um, I am actually going to go see Total Recall, I think. Yo, the previews I saw before the Spider-Man movie, they look great. Yeah, it looked really good. Up, I am interested in seeing it. It looked great, man. Yeah, it really did. I agree. You know what else is great? Comics. DCBService. Dis- discount comic book service. DCBService.com, who sponsor this thing. And you can get, this month, if you run your little behinds over to the discount comic book service at DCBService.com, you can get a bunch of stuff slashed, 50% off, 55 DC number zero issues, all of them, all 55 for 80, 80, I know it's crazy, $87.23. That's what? half off the, what it would have cost you at $174.45. Yeah, yeah. Alan Moore's Fashion Beast number one out of Avatar, 50% off. It's $1.99. The uh, Grant Morrison, Derek Robertson joint, that happy coming out from Image, $1.49. You're not going to find these kind of prices in your LCS. Meta Barons Ultimate Collector's Edition, a huge honk and tome. Would have cost you sixty bucks? No way. Thirty-two dollars and ninety-seven cent. 
at Discount Comic Book Service. And even better, if you are a first-time customer, you can enter the following code into the slot and get an extra 5% off. David, what the heck is the code? Wait, 8% off. 8% off, which would be 5 and 3. So 8% off, David, what it is. It is EOC and that number 8. EOC 8 gets you an extra 8% off your already hugely discounted order. DCBService.com. Remember that. It's very important. And if you do the comiXology thing, you get an, uh, what, 5% applied yes, to your, your monthly order? Insane. Mm-hmm. I just did it for the first time. I finally ordered something off comiXology. Oh, look at you. Oh. Yeah, I got wow. the, the, uh, James Kachalka American Elf thing. Oh, you did 99. the top shelf uh, sale? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, you can't beat that. Yeah. So now yeah. you get a kickback from DCBS. It's, it's it. all good. There's no bad. DCBService.com. Head uh, over. let's, uh, let's get this drink roll call knocked out real quick so we can get some, some, uh, comics talk. Uh, Vince, why don't you, uh, kick us off? Or is everyone drinking Yingling this week? No, no, I'm not, no, I'm not no. drinking Yingling. <laughs> All the stars, except for myself, aligned last week, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Vince, uh, what are you drinking this week? Pepe Mac in the house. What? Pepe oh. Mac, yes. I didn't expect that. It's a flashback. And I would like to say hello, and I promised her last week I would do this, but I shout out to Morgan McGibson, my Twitter friend. Oh, yeah, indeed. I love her. <laughs> She's my Twitter uh, friend. She's from the uh, British Isles. And, uh, does Morgan uh-huh. follow any of us or just you? I think so. No, I think she does. Oh, cool. <laughs> she follows me on Twitter. She's a nice girl. Yeah. I like her. She is. Very smart. And so you're, like just, you're just saying hi? I'm just saying hi. Give a little shout out. There you go. Okay. I think they she deserve calls it. Uh, vodka o'clock, I think. No. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it around. Happy time. Okay. Wood, how about you? Uh, I got to say, um, I'm surprising myself here, but I'm actually drinking a big old glass of sangria because my wife uh, made some kick-ass homemade sangria and told me uh, my boys were at a swim meet and I came home and I was and I'm just like, oh, I made some sangria if you want some. So I'm having some. It's pretty good. Nice. Oh, yeah. On a, yeah. a hot summer night. Which, mm-hmm. gosh, we finally we got some relief. It went from like 104 on Friday. I mean, it was fucking hot. And uh, and now it's in the like, mid to high 80s. Why so. the potty mouth, dude? This is an all-ages po- podcast. <laughs> yeah, <sounds good. laughs> yeah, all ages. <laughs> Dave, David, what are you drinking? Uh, menage a trois. Hey! Everybody's going with their old school, but me. One in the back. I'm not, me. not me. I'm drinking something. Drinking. I'm drinking a big old pink bottled beer. Um, it is uh, definitely one of my uh, one of my favorite packages uh, for for beer that I've seen in a you long like time. You like big pink packages? That's true. I like Ooh. big pink packages. That's if you can wow. go to, um, uh, uh, I, I just posted on Twitter, but I'll, I'll throw Man it. Tooth Brewery. Over. No, <laughs> to the bleeds. Uh, I'll uh, I'll send it to to Vince or post it on the on the form. It is um, from Rogue Brewery, which is one of my favorite brewers. I think uh, I think I've talked about Rogue uh, a, a few different times yes. on the uh, on the show before. This is their Voodoo Donut. Oh, that's which a I cool don't name. Have Have any of you guys heard of the uh, Yeah Voodoo Donuts? That place that makes the crazy ass donuts. Well, this is. There's probably some story there, which I, I should have. Uh, I should have researched. But um, uh, Rogue is from Newport, Oregon, mm-hmm. and 
this particular beer, and it's served in a like I said, a, a tall uh, pink bottle to look like a donut, like a you know a, a, a ice you know pink icing donut. That's but um, it is bacon and maple flavored. That's their. Ale. Oh, we'll see. Okay, there you go. Because I was going to say, Voodoo Donut is based in Oregon, uh-huh. and their most famous donut is th- is just that. It's a bacon donut with a, that, ba- okay. a bacon glazed donut. Yeah, it's got to be a collaboration or you know, a, kind of a, yeah. a, a a tip to them. But yeah, this is a, a bacon maple ale, and wow. uh, it's exactly what it. I, I'm not going to say that's what it tastes like. It's what it smells like. Whenever you uh, whenever you open this up and pour a little out, um, whenever you nose so the glass, the so uh, the maple is just like hit you in the brain, uh, pungent, and and you can already tell the the bacon undertones to it. Uh, but then whenever you you drink it, it 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 definitely knocks down uh, quite a bit, and it's it's actually a pretty good ale. I thought it was going to be way too sweet and way too overpowering, but it's uh it's actually just a, a really nice ale. But it's got a it's got a lot of maple to it with uh, just enough of the of the bacon to uh, make it taste like maple bacon ale. It's tasty. I, it's really good. I heard if you touch the bottle, you gain the memories and abilities of the person that bottled it. Actually, you gain about a pound and a half. But <laughs> you did say the brewing company was Rogue, right? Yes, Rogue Brewing. There you go. Yeah. Oh, oh, look at you, Bud, man. With Bud. The mutant humor. Holy uh, crap! Subtle. Hard to find though, um, and not not exactly cheap. This uh, um, this bottle is uh, it's it's a pint bottle. And mm-hmm. I picked it up for about fourteen bucks. So, Dang! Yeah, it's it's not uh, it's it's not the cheapest beer on the block. But I was like, yeah, okay, I'll I will share it with my buddies on a little. Love it. So there you go. Love it live. Let's talk about comics. Oh no, sorry, I gotta thank you. I have a couple also, so go ahead. Really? Uh, yeah. So my my in your travels last week was uh, the David Mazzucchelli. Daredevil uh, Born Again Artist Edition. I come back from Cleveland and I had it delivered at work, and I get in there on uh, on Friday and big big box. I'm so, oh, this is it! So excited. Open it up and I notice that all the packaging on one corner is just incredibly crushed. Ugh! And I keep opening layer after layer of this and it was real it was packed really well so this thing had to be just absolutely just drop kicked off of a building and i i get into you know because the artist editions come in the nice little corrugated box and the corner was 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 crunched on it and i'm just like oh keep my fingers crossed and i open it up and yeah sure enough right on the you know the bottom bottom edge of the spine is is all crinkled up oh Broken heart. That is bitter, fucking sweet. That really is. So, Sal comes into work, and I'm like, "Dude, come look at this." Come console me. No, I I wanted to because I I I want to look at it. I want to open it up, and I want to I want to actually eat the darn. Yep. And um, and I'm just like, man, would you would you send this back? And he looks at it, and he just kind of he looks at me like, yeah. This is it's like $125. Exactly. It's a yeah. big priced item, yeah. 
Yeah, so it's like you know, if it was, if it was just a, you know, a random, random hardcover trade, you know, you'd you live with it just because mm-hmm. you want to. But this is, I mean, it's a trophy piece and and a really it's and not a not a cheap one. He's like, yeah, contact him and send it back. So this is where the story gets great. So I'm like, okay. So I go bought it through Amazon through another through a reseller, and so I I track down the the reseller and it's um cheapgraphicnovels.com mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which, okay. uh a store in California called Pulp Fiction is is their storefront and okay. yeah Pat Loika use uh talks about them quite a lot I know oh, okay. I think they sponsor his show well if if they sponsor Pat's show then they they can't be all bad um and so I call uh I call the store and I, I start off with, you know, it's like, you know, hello, this is you know, cheap, uh, Pulp Fiction, how can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, you know, my name's Chris, and I just got this Daredevil artist. He's like, oh, yeah, I know, I'm listening to you right now. I'm like, what? <laughs> listening. Awesome. You know, I'm not that listening. is awesome. I'm just like, huh? It's like, yeah, just, you, 11 o'clock? Yeah, I'm listening to you right now. It's like, Jesus, okay. Well, you obviously know that, that I ordered this thing, and I went on to explain, and Max um, is, uh, is the fellow's name at, uh, at Pulp Fiction. It was just like, yeah, you know, pack it up, send it back to us. We'll send you a new one. Not a problem. So, um, so a big thank you for the super easy customer service and uh, the, the, the patronage and uh, listenership of the folks at uh, fiction and cheap graphic novels.com. That's awesome. That yeah. is awesome. I think I know where I'm getting mine from now. That's cool. So, and he's just like, yeah, we sold like 40 of these and yours is the only one. I mean, it was literally, they describe it as a bomb proof box and it, it's like double packed, um, uh, packing all around the book and, and double boxed. They, they had what well, seriously had to drop this thing for the two fucking, building i was i was so mad at the united states postal service i could not oh but but max and the guys made it made it all good max sounds awesome and it also uh forced me to go to the post office and uh mail (laughs) (laughs) excellent that's what i wanted to hear uh doesn't someone else have thank yous they said I do, yes. Uh, I have to thank uh, Mr. Andrew Shaw on the forum for uh, hooking me up with some of his Marvel digital codes from the books oh, he uh, he buys. So I'm 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 catching up on uh, cybercrime. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what we're doing. Uh, and and um, and Billy, aka Aqualek, on Twitter for uh, and and on the forum for I'm I started reading um, Brian Woods. X-Men run the first two issues of oh, nice. that so we can I'll talk about that later but a big thank you from me and a very uh dirty look from Renee to Mr. Pat Loika for sending a box of comics that he has read and is passing along I, like uh Hickman's FF like some Ultimate Universe books, like some Thor books. I mean, it's it's going to take me a long while to get through this stuff, but it will not be staying here, so I will be um, uh, sending things out here and there to, to various people. So <laughs> Renee uh, made it clear that it won't be staying there. It, oh yeah, yeah. She she she, 
she she was tempted. She she was looking for lighter fluid. She was not. Nice. She <laughs> was not happy. So, uh, so so today I, I made it up to her and I, I bought some uh, some things on a top shelf sale at Comicsology. Oh, there you go. So yeah. So it all works out in the end. Why did you show them to her, dude? She went out and she. She came in, and I heard this thud. I turn around and see the box. So they delivered oh. the mail, and she was already outside. Not good, not good. Yeah, That's why you got to get it delivered. Well, yeah, if, you, if you had sucks. known, you should have got it delivered at work like Chris. I know. Then you I, can you know, circumvent the wife completely. I, I can't. I can't they're, they're, it would never get to me. Dude, we had iPads stolen at work. No That's kidding. crazy, dude. And, right. and now the dude is not uh, not working there anymore because they tracked him down because they're oh, iPads. Cool. But yeah, how's that no, iPad now, Mister Unemployed? Yeah, huh? Yeah, dude, he was he was ratted out. There's no honor, no please. He sold it, and dude, he sold it to ratted him out. What Good. a dumbass! So you know, yeah. You know, but uh, I got to say, uh, wow, that's crazy. That would that would infuriate me. But uh, I'm glad he got caught. That's good. Yeah. Um so Vince uh sorry Vince uh the other guy. Chris uh mentioning the uh the the California LCS. I have to give a shout out to a New York based LCS. Uh this Monday, mm-hmm. well actually going back to to one of my son's birthdays is in May and I had given him a like an IOU for a, a a daddy day, you know, where I would like take him into the do whatever he wanted really, but but he wanted to go into the city. So I took uh my two oldest boys into the city on Monday to spend the day with me. And um, for lunch, I took them down to uh, down to the down to Union Square area to uh, a place called Max Brenner's, which is a chocolate restaurant. Oh. And uh, and, um, and and it's like um, you know, it's the, we we were there once before, but it's like all chocolate, like you know, you, you, it's like everything in there is like chocolate, you know, like chocolate covered, like chocolate flavored hamburgers, you know, chocolate, everything. But, um, like, the French fries are covered in, like, chocolate dust. But anyway, um, they really wanted to go there, and so we went there to eat. And then walking out of there, I look across the way, and what do I see on the corner but Forbidden Planet? Now, believe it or not, in spite of working in Manhattan my entire professional life since 1996, I have never been to Forbidden Planet. Really? Yeah. Wow. So I was like, That's oh, U.K.-based. U.K.-based. U.K.-based joint. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, "Oh snap!" Um, so we rolled up in there, and I gotta say, it's a bitchin' little store, man. Like, it really benefits, I think, from its location because, like, Union Square, especially, it's on the first floor, and so it was nice out, and you know, they had the doors open and stuff. It was a bright and airy, and you know, there was a good vibe, almost like a college store would be. You know, like it's just a lot of energy, a lot of young folk. Like, it, it just had energy. You know, um, it's not too far away from the Strand either, which is I talked about a few weeks ago. Just like kind of almost a bohemian flavor to the people that hang out down there. So it wasn't like stuffy, like I think Midtown comes off sometimes, Midtown Comics. But uh, it was great, man. I, they had an unbelievable, unbelievable selection of uh, of like, collected editions um, and tons of great memorabilia and statues and stuff, um, all laid out pretty pretty nicely. Um, it's it's a tight, you know, like all Manhattan places, it's a tight, it's tightly packed in, but it wasn't too packed to you know get around. They had a humongous I thought of Vince when I saw this. They have a humongous selection of like deeply discounted, you know. Um, like second hand, not second hand, um, like Nick and Dent stuff, and it was really marked down a lot. Like, um, there was a the art of uh, the art of Grendel, you know, the art book, the coffee table book. Yep. Mm-hmm. And like, there were two copies of it, and the they both were like pretty scraped up on the spine, so it wasn't like a T fall Nick and Dent where you sometimes can't even tell what's the matter with it. I mean, these were pretty clearly had some flaws, but like, it was, I think it was five bucks. Wow. You know, Holy for I think cow. it's like a fifty dollar book on the cover, like cover it price. Is. So. Wait. 
Let me see. Yeah. So, um, so I would highly recommend it. I mean, again, if I know a lot of people go to New York and they're always looking for things, uh, but having never been there before, I could never talk about it. But, but I, I think it's a pretty bitchin' little story. 40. What? Oh, 40. 40 okay. Bucks, sorry. And, and, uh, and I know just from, hap- I happen to randomly, it's random that I went there in the same week that I saw a news blurb in one of the sites that's, they're actually moving to another store on the block to a bigger store. So, um, but uh, yeah, I definitely say I uh, highly recommend that place, man. It's pretty bitchin'. I used to get tons of vinyl there in the '80s. Tons. Okay. Yeah, that cool. was a stop whenever I'd go uh, to New York. Yeah, I've been I'd, in there. A I'd load times. up. The only place that had them, really. Yeah, they had tons of statues, like you said, tons of figurines and action figures. It was neat. It's real, real cool. That yeah. uh, that that Grendel book is one of the few that are on a separate bookshelf from everything else. In the room that in, within my line of sight, under the TV, there's there's the Wagner's Grendel book. There's the collected Rocketeer in the slipcase. There's 10th anniversary Marvels and the Art of the Matrix and my two absolutes, uh, Watchmen and New Frontier. Cool. You know, nice. I actually almost bought you a copy of it, but then I thought that you know what, he probably has it. And wait, it's, you have you have the 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 absolute Watchmen? Yes. Does it have any of the before Watchmen stuff in there? No, because it's good. No, it's it's because it's all. Oh, because before Watchmen doesn't change that. <laughs> Probably. Still Look at there. you. Look at you, oh, Mister Open Minded. Because I'm not reading it, so yeah, it's all good. There you go. Okay, Joey. No, see if if no, I'm I'm Dave Faust. I'm not. If I was Joey, <laughs> I'd have turned you all off and went about my business last week. But yeah, I Joey was, was angry, man. He was, dude. Love you, Joey. But it happens. Oh, I yeah, love Joey does. like a brother. It's but I'm just like, dude, you're smarter than that. He has Joey's- strong feelings about Alan Moore, though. So that's all good. Oh, I. Who doesn't have strong feelings about Alan Moore, one way or the other? Yeah, no, it's all good. It's all good. The the important thing is that he almost turned us off, but he didn't. You know well, who else has, be, has what? What has Crucy said? Because if you want to talk about who these characters really yeah, I haven't seen Zach by- on the forums in a while, where's he been? He's a busy boy. Busy, yeah. Um, he's, got, he's, he's got finals. But I mean, oh, okay. a lot of these, a lot of these characters are are Ditko creations originally, and and they're they're ciphers of 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 Ditko creations. You know, Rorschach is is the question. question. You know, and that's, so you're saying if you wanted to read before Watchmen, you can just look for old Charlton Beck issues. Pretty much. Yeah, I don't know. Have you read the old Charlton Beck issues? Not so hot. <laughs> Captain Adam with that awesome. It's outfit. like watching the Sam Raimi movie. Oh wow! Oh, oh, oh. Um, Sam yeah. Raimi has has good movies. It's just I'm not. Kid. I knew oh. Mr. Horror Guy would chime in. I'm you, just you're, kidding. You're, you're the only one of us that's that's gone yet, right? To uh, to see Spidey. I am. I, I assume, yeah. I may be seeing it Friday. Nice. Okay. Um, Jason, your your spoiler free impression of. The new, uh, the new iteration of the franchise. Yeah, well, I have to. Say, I took again same day that I referenced earlier. I took the boys um, to the IMAX in Times Square to see it, and uh, I loved it. I, I I loved every bit of it. I mean, are there a little are there things you could nitpick? Absolutely, but I mean, I don't know that you could be steeped in superhero lore like we are and watch a superhero movie and not find little things that you know irk you a bit or that you think don't make quite as much sense as had they done it another way but you know i i i really enjoyed it um and and again i as i mentioned i had watched the first raimi spider-man over this weekend uh in anticipation of going to see this one 
And so juxtaposed against that, I just I just thought it was much a much better movie. A much the, the actors are much more three dimensional, um, which isn't really hard when you're talking about Kirsten Dunst versus Emma Stone. <laughs> um, but uh, you know Andrew Garfield, he is a totally different take on uh-huh. Peter Parker. You know, I mean, he plays it. It's really it's a modern remake. I mean, it's 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 as it's as if Spider Man was created today. You know, and not. Well, I, I've heard I've heard it's it's Ultimate Spider Man. In a while, yeah, very well. Yeah, I guess you could, you know, yeah, I guess you could say that. I mean, as I think it's a little more, it's probably a little more. I don't want to say serious, but, um, but no, I, I liked it quite a bit. I mean, I, I guess the one complaint I keep that's hearing, not a knock. I, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. The ult- I, ultimate Spider-Man, I thought was a, a brilliant idea for. I hear people complaining about the way the the lizard looked, and while I personally would have. I mean, all things being equal, would have rather seen him have a, a lizard-like snout, like an alligator, like we've seen in the comics. Um, he's still pretty badass, and he's ginormous. Yeah. And like, I just find it funny that the people complaining about this seemingly are defending or, or complaining about it, and then praising Raimi's Spider-Man. And in Spider-Man, the Green Goblin looked hella <laughs> oh, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I watched it. Like I said this weekend, I watched it. It was the boys' first time watching it. And we had some friends over as well, so it was four kids between the ages of five and nine watching it for the first time. And the five-year-old that was here was like, "Oh, look, it's a Power Ranger." I mean, he thought it was a Power Ranger, like the Green Goblin. I mean, so like, I, uh, yeah, not a, again, not a, I'm not, I'm not yeah, and I don't want to, I don't want to be revisionist. I when I when Raimi's when Raimi's first two Spider-Man movies came out, I thought they were the tits. I, I loved them to death. So it, it's, I don't want to act like they're. Poor, poor I, th- I think Spider-Man but, Two is. In uh, it's in the pantheon of, of great superhero movies. I mean, it's it's right up there with you know, the original Superman and uh, you know X two, which I think it gets gets talked about mm-hmm. as one of the one of the best superhero movies. Um, but yeah. the, the funny thing is, is you know we have uh, you know our our buddy D Goodhart always takes the time to post very thoughtful and detailed reviews. Mm-hmm. You know on our on our and he actually posts them on our forum and uh, the, mon- the monkeys room. Yeah, yeah, I would say that in seeing all he watches, he rewrites a lot of reviews. Yeah, and it's funny because I would say he's pretty tolerant in general. Like he's yeah. he's found the good in a lot of pretty craptacular movies. You know, <laughs> like he's painted uh, like uh, the, both sides of it, and he outright detested this film. Yeah, he, he said did. he thought it was the worst film of the year, and and wow. and that just baffles me because. Um, I gotta tell you, I really, really enjoyed it. Now, did I like it as much as, as say, the Avengers? No, totally different movie. Right. This is much more a real film with real dramatic moments. That mm-hmm. I don't want to compare it to Nolan's Batman in that regard, but it's it's more of that tone, you know, like in the sense that that it's there is a dramatic element to it. Whereas in Avengers, you know, it was pretty much a feel good. Oh my God, I'm ten years old again. You know, action film that just that hit all those buttons the little kid in me um but no i, I liked it i thought the the sporting characters are great i thought dennis leary was great as captain stacy yeah I want to see um I, yeah i like i said i i i'm sure there were flaws to it um but i i liked it i i they they, they changed some things that i guess it's funny what rubs people the wrong way like the the the, the great power comes great responsibility speech isn't technically in the movie it's 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 augmented and it seemed to really piss a lot of people off, and that that didn't bother me at all because the the, well, the elements of it are still there. Right. Whereas the the he goes back to having mechanical web shooters. Yeah. Hey. Which I thought was awesome. Like I'm so I was made me so happy. Um. But yeah, no man. I look it. Uh, I if if anyone has a remote interest in Spider Man, the comic book character, I, I I cannot fathom how you won't enjoy this film. But 
My brother-in-law saw it. He, he, he and I were talking about it last night. He really enjoyed it. Even his daughters and, and his wife enjoyed it. So he was, he was telling me some of the things that they changed from the comic and, and uh, talked about Peter's parents a little bit. And, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and he thought, you know, Sally Field and the characters and, and the actors that, that played them, he, he really had no problems with, with any of it. And, and, uh, he, he said that. Even with a he, Brit playing, uh, a New York teenager. Well, just everything else is in America. Why not? But it's 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 just he he even said you know he he's got he thinks that Renee would get a kick out of it. So it's it should be, I'm you know we're we're off Friday. We we were taking a look to the vet and doing a couple other things. But she asked if if she didn't even really have to finish the question and, and asked <laughs> if, if you know. So chances are we'll. Which is, I mean, it's not that it's a Spider-Man movie, that's a big deal, but just that we're going through movies twice within one calendar year, I think, is, is a big deal. Ah, nice. Uh, everybody looking forward to uh, to the, the third and final Nolan Batman? Hearing, <sighs> Tentatively, I mean... I'm he, hearing amazing things. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, right, where we all kind of agreed that because the first two and because of Nolan's history, you you got to give him the benefit of the doubt until you see it. But nothing up until the last week or two that I saw of the film made me excited for it. Well, the early reviews I'm hearing, and yeah. they, 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 a, a really good sign is whenever they let critics pre-screen it, like you know, a week or two out. And whenever they don't allow for that, that's yeah, usually, that's usually a a big red flag that it's a shit movie. Well, they. Um, the uh, the Chicago film critics um, went out to L.A. for uh, the the pre-screening, and from what I've been reading here uh, in Chicago, um, stuff like you know my draw my jaw dropped to the floor and stayed there for the entire movie, you know stuff like that. It's it, and these are not comic book fans; these these are film critics. And whenever you hear that kind of shit from film critics about a comic book movie, it's that's a pretty good sign so i don't want to i don't want to get anyone's hopes too high but um it's it's sounding pretty good so far yeah definitely so yay good big time yay mm-hmm. i got something you were a fan, were a fan you got? no i was gonna say you were a fan of the first two nolans were you oh yeah not yeah. not immediately of the first one. I didn't like the first one when I saw it. Okay. Um, but uh, after loving um, the second, I went back and watched the first one a couple more times, and I, I I like the film a lot more now. Okay. I I think it's a it's a totally different film than the sequel, uh, which uh, I I don't see, and I've said this to David, much to his chagrin. Uh, the, that's my my yardstick. The second film, I always measure everything up to that, and so far nothing has even come close. Which I'm hoping the third one does. You mean it versus other superhero films? Yeah, there's just something special about that second day. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you. I, I, I uh, it's gonna be hard. To, being much more of a Marvel guy, I think like the the hairs are sticking up on the back of my neck when I saw Avengers is because you know the idea of ever seeing a movie with the Avengers in it, it's like a dream come true. But if I was just if I was playing amateur film critic, I mean, I think the two Batman, the Nolan Batman movies are, I think, don't, don't nothing else has really held a candle to them in terms of actual films. Yeah, I, mean, I think they're both. Yeah, in, in the in the modern superhero era, yeah, you know, I still think I still think. So maybe the, Green Lantern. <laughs> oh, 
I, I still think for the for the time, I think that the the first Donner Superman was the that that was the the measuring stick for really yeah, long. Yeah, what were you going to compare it to before then? I mean, the nineteen forties Green Hornet serials. There wasn't anything before then, really. What? <laughs> there was. It, I I love <laughs> I love the first Superman movie. Yeah, it's. I mean, it was. It was. And I, and I, and I guess, like, like Vince, I, I think I might even. I, I like the first Superman movie because of of what it does, but I think I prefer the sequel over the first. Yeah, yeah. I like Vince with Batman. Yeah, they're throwing buses around in the sequel. Yeah, you know, it's that, great. It's I mean, a it's a great superhero movie. It, it is. It is. It is great and brilliant stuff. And then after that, it wasn't really no. until <laughs> until what the X Men franchise launched even though that that had that had some unintended consequences on it you know on other superhero movies yeah yeah it's oh, well, uh, i did i did like the fir- i actually i, I like the first two blades yeah. i like the first blade oh yeah absolutely i mean you guys have have heard that the story of uh, james robinson talking about uh writing writing the the screenplay for for league of extraordinary gentlemen right no, um, that that was in development is when X two was just laying waste to the box office. And oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I, just, I actually forgot for a second that League of Extraordinary was made into a movie because I I blacked it out. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. I could. It's, but, it's an atrocity. Uh, they, well, it is. It, it really is. Bad. Yeah. And part of it is because. <coughs> excuse me. Part of it is because of the, and not part of it. A, a huge reason is because of the success of X Two. Is that that movie did so well, and movie executives saw the popularity of the X Men franchise, and they were working on this other team comic book movie, and made them really kind of change direction and and make League more like X Two. And and less like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and that's part of the reason why it turned into the train wreck that it was. And I heard it, it a lot of it turning into a train wreck was was due to Sean Connery and and being more involved in it. I guess. Yeah, me too. He, I mean, he, he retired from acting after that movie, didn't he? Yeah. Has he done anything after that? Uh, I think that was his last film. Yeah, I, I, it was just like you know, I'm fucking done. It's like that's hell of a way to go out. Yeah. Right. I uh, portrayed Sean Connery in a uh, biography video in ninth grade. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> nice. We had to pick someone to do a biography of and act it out on on camera. So I did Sean Connery. <laughs> it was pre League of Extraordinary Gentlemen though, so I didn't have to own up to that. <laughs> oh boy, comics. All right. What you got? Well, I don't want to go because it's close to a uh, it's close to that hour mark. You've been so quiet. It's time for you to go. That's all right. I don't want I, no, because this is uh, it's not lengthy, but it's not short either. So uh, it's medium pace. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you oh, speak, it? Speaking of Batman, and I'll get this out of the way because it's not a high point for me. Um, oh. Yeah. It's I I reread Batman issues. 620 through 625, which is the Broken City arc by the 100 Bullets team. Um, and, and I, I always have fond memories of this run, probably because of the story, of the story of, 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 um, 
I mean, it, it, they, I, I think DC wanted Azarello to write Batman or he want, or, or they wanted Azarello and Riso to do a Batman story. And, and Azarello said, well, then I'm just going to bring the whole 100 Bullets team. Well, we're going to yeah. put 100 Bullets on hiatus for half a year. We'll tell this story and this way everybody gets paid, can still do their thing. You had Dave Johnson covers. You had Clem Robbins on letters. You had, um, Pat Mulvihill on, on, on color. So, I mean, it was 100 Bullets in the DC universe telling a Batman story. And I, I reread it over the past couple of days and I, it, as I get to the end of the story, there's, um, I, I really like the noir feel of it. I like the way, I like the murder mystery aspects of it. I like how it, aside from this dude in a costume and a cape and cowl, it, it feels like a, 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 Edward G. Robinson or Humphrey Bogart movie from the 30s. It's just the, the way, the way the story is told. The dialogue though hurts me. It hurts my ears. It hurts my eyes. I can't, it just, just the way, the way Batman's finishing other people's sentences and, and how it's trying to be clever and witty with, with wordplay and, and double entendres. It's just, it, it's almost like it's forced and, and it's just, I, I, I thought. It's, Azar- it's Azarillo doing Batman as a, as a noir. But it's, which would have been fine if this, but, but there were, there were 619 issues of Batman before this where he, this wasn't that character. If, if this was, and oh, this was, oh. uh, no, how, no, how dude. Char- uh, how many characters is Batman? No, got? it's, but this just, this, this felt so out of place for this character. This wasn't, this wasn't Miller's Dark Knight Returns. This but it looked pretty though. This was, it looked very oh, yeah. pretty. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with it. I, 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 all my notes say, you know, the art, is better than a story. There's an Agent Graves appearance in the second part. Um, this is just Batman mostly dealing with, with Christmas Allen because Commissioner Gordon's off to the side for this story. This is the, this is the arc right before we Chris got Hush. Uh, I did say Christmas. And, and, uh, it's just, it, uh, yes, Chris, it's, it's, it's Azarello doing Batman in a noir story, but it just, it, when I look at, when I hear, when, when, when I see or read other Batman stories, the character never sounds like this. And, and, and that's fine for these six issues. If, you know, if you want to make a standalone story and this is, you know, this is Azarello's Batman and, and go have fun with it. But it's, this wasn't, and I was very happy that, that DC did this in continuity, just like year one with, with, you know, within the monthly Batman issues. This, this was, they didn't, they didn't make it its own. Separate miniseries like mm-hmm. like the Odyssey, they didn't, they, or, or or a million other one shots from other characters. It was six twenty through six twenty five, and and if they collect it later, great. But it it um, and if if that's the case, then if you're going to have it in continuity in in chronological order with the rest of the series, then then I would think that there would be some there there was some. It was the same character when when Max Allen Collins did it to Jim Starlin to to you know I mean everybody there's Batman and and he acts or sounds a certain way and and it's just this was a very different Batman for this story and and it just I I just I I remembered I think liking it more than I did when it came out back in in late two thousand three early 2004 but it's you know i mean it's 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 almost a decade old i said it's before hush so it's before the whole whole 
Infinite Crisis and Countdown and everything like that. So this was this was before. I guess Batman was, was paranoid and spying on everybody, but it it's it was um it was pretty, like Jason said, and it just and mm-hmm. and it bummed me out as I'm as I'm reading it. And I'm like, and it's almost like immediately as. I mean, the dialogue even, it doesn't really sound like Batman, because I don't, I don't remember, I know Gotham is his city, and, and he, he, you know, makes sure that, that, that he can protect the people of Gotham, and, and we know that Gotham is, is a lead, I mean, even Snyder's doing it now in, in his Batman story, and, and Gotham is a character in the Batman books, but it's like, I, I've never really, I don't recall, even in Miller's books, where, where Batman is saying that, when it rains in Gotham, it's not God crying. It's because God's doing other things to Gotham with the water. It's like, I don't. I'm like, really? I just. It was. I was just. It's Batman it, the philosopher, dude. It, it's Batman the twelve year old philosopher. It's just. I was just. I was kind of. And it, there weren't even a lot. I, I don't know. It was just. I, I kind of. It was I know not your cuppa. In, re, in the reread. Yeah. No. It really wasn't. I mean, I'm. I'm. I'm glad I have it. It's. It's. You know. It's. It's a nice little. Um, I guess time capsule of I mean because this was back when when books were uh, the cover price was two back and a quarter in the, yeah you know yeah. but it, it's I mean the, the covers by by Johnson are pretty nice you had you know you introduced two new characters with um, Fat Man and Little Boy and which Little Boy isn't but it's um it it was uh, and and you had and it was neat seeing Scarface and 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 Killer Croc was pretty much in just about every every chapter and and um. He and Bat- I, I like the exchanges between Batman and mm-hmm. Croc, but um, it just like, like yeah, I, I I'll go with that. I'll I'll just sum it up by saying it wasn't my cup of. Mm-hmm. I could yeah, I could go fifty years. Oh, there you go. Perfect time. Damn it! Hey, you know what though? You mentioned Batman Hush, which makes me ask the following question, and we yes. don't have to dwell on it. I'm just going to throw it out there. We'll let the internet decide. When's the last time Jeff Loeb wrote a goddamn good comic book? Ah, uh, the last time. Because uh, I gotta tell you, I haven't read him yet, but I damn guarantee you his return to Wolverine ain't them. Dude, Evolution Redux. Dude, uh, we had to revisit Re- Evolution, really? <laughs> I mean, for reals? Uh, for really reals. You know what, dude? I have on tap um, the three, the 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 trilogy, if you want to call it, he did with Sale, where um, Dark Victory, Long Halloween, and Catwoman went in Rome. I will read those three, and I will get back to you. But, but obviously they're, they're, before, they're great, but so. it's the they're great because of Tim Sales. Are but dude, I, those it, were a long time ago. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, right. I mean, Long Halloween is. Great. I guess. Well, wait a minute. The, All right. I guess he wrote the Hulk. He wrote the beginning of this Hulk, the Hulk reboot, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. Yeah. Okay. All right. Those were good. Those were entertaining. I got to give him credit for those. Because he seems to be in this mode now where he's because he's doing all the TV stuff or the entertainment stuff for them that he's not doing a lot of writing. But like, I know he's bringing back this evolution, which, as you guys know, is. Pretty much one of the my least favorite Marvel yeah, comics. A, of all time. a major low point for you. Yes, and and then he he very quietly did the the uh, return of Cable with Extinction Agenda, which was equally horrendous. And it was like he, it's like he's going back to his old roots of when he kind of cut his teeth on these characters. And uh, I don't know. Sometimes you need to keep that genie back once it's out of the bottle and ain't going back in. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I think I, the last time that was Hulk because yeah, X Sanction. Was yeah, I got to give him credit for Hulk. That wasn't that long ago. I, I I was thinking it was like back in the Hush days, but but Hulk was legit. I enjoyed the Hulk, so a lot of fun. That was big, big dumb fun. Yeah, yep. that's how I like it. And you're not crackly. All right, we're 
going to say you can go 50 years without what? Sex? I doubt it. <laughs> oh, I can go 50 years without ever reading uh, a Killer Croc appearance. That'd be great. <laughs> really? gr- I can't Why? stand the character. Why? Because Why? the character's boring. It's a big. What do you mean he's boring. He's boring. It's a big lizard no, guy. Clayface. Clayface is boring. I don't understand but, that. Well, I mean, I'm just fascinated by that. Like, there's. It's just like everybody seems to use him. Jim Lee uses him. Uh, whenever, whenever there's a new, awesome. a new iteration of Batman or a, a new take on Batman, you got to have Killer Croc in it. It's just, I think he's the least interesting of the Batman rogues by far. Oh, I don't know. Batman's got a lot of freaking Clayface. rogues. Dude. Yeah, but Clayface can be anything. Scarecrow? You know what I mean? If somebody if somebody with real imagination gets a hold of Clayface, you come up with some well, damn I mean, good stories. You have Scarecrow? the greatest rogues Scarface. Bane? There's, there's They're making a movie of Bane. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't right, it just, t- just takes a great writer, you know? And uh, greatest rogues gallery. We went over this, haven't we? Like yeah. a yeah. lot of times. I mean, we decided that... <laughs> No, I don't think we ever decided. <laughs> no, I think. I mean, I if think you want to talk about corny villains, pretty, I mean, pretty Mysterio. That's pretty corny. Definitive uh, decision through the forums. Through the forums. Oh, they, 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 they all agreed with me, almost one hundred percent, except for Tom Morris, that it was, uh, it was true that Batman does have the. the I never, uh, I never got the Mysterio thing. Never got it at all. Visually stunning. See, what? But, it's a giant. It's a yeah. giant fishbowl on his head, and it's it's hysterical that you just said that because I mean yes that that's the running gag and everybody mentions it, but the 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 fishbowl and and the fact that the way you're mentioning it, Spider-Man reference is in Spider-Man number three, and actually right. this this is the first time. Well, he was pretty kick-ass in Spider Island, I'll I'll say, and and not not because he did anything great, but I mean just the way he was handled with with the rest of the Sinister Six, but. I I've I haven't I don't know anything about the Mysterio of the Ultimate Universe, but what Bendis is doing with Mysterio in the Spider Man mini is pretty badass. See, I uh, well, I guess we have to agree to disagree. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I just I was like, Spider Man really that you're gonna make Mysterio the, the conduit for this? I'm, really? I'm really worried about that, but I read the third issue today and, and he was a little bit more involved and I, I really had no problem with it. Well, I have to admit, I've only read the first issue, so yeah, I can't. I don't think. Oh, okay. I always thought it, I always thought it was a great character design. Uh, I don't yeah, know. I don't think Ditko designed a bad villain. Oh, stop! Is that it? Is that it? Dude, the Vultures game? queer as was... can be. The Vultures a ninety-year-old man I, in a green I, bird suit. It's but, it, but it's awesome. it's still visu- visually arresting. It's awesome. Wait a minute! A giant. Wait, time out, time out. A gigantic half-human, half-crocodile is goofy, but an uh, old man but in it, green I, feather it, costumes it, it, okay. Because it mimics a buzzard, it, he's bald and he's old and he's 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 wizened and and bent over like a friggin' vulture. It's just it's it's yeah, it's visually uh, pleasing. Where you get a big crocodile. How many friggin' times have you seen that in comics? A giant crocodile thing. Whoa, wow, there's a stretch. It's just a big reptile well, or amphibian, it's whatever. Well, it's just, no, it's it's. I mean, okay, that's the thing. I mean, you killer croc was invented in what the 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 forties. No, I don't know about that. I I, I don't know my Batman I don't lineage know. I don't as know well how far as back, I don't. Was that a retconning of I mean, no, Killer Croc? He was, he was involved in the pre-crisis Jason Todd's parents' death. Yeah, so he was he was at least Killer Croc uh, goes back away, probably yeah. pre-60s. I, and, I would and, say uh, maybe. Uh, no, nope, 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 1983. 
Thank you. As I and, say, there, and there's been different interpretations, like what? Rizzo's. Rizzo's killer croc is not uh, like the lizard. It's he's he's like a a big goon with a skin condition. Now, see, we we must be a victim of an alternate timeline here because I definitely remember killer croc stories before '83. First appearance, Batman number three fifty-seven, March nineteen eighty-three. You got to be kidding really? me. Wow. Well, maybe it, he's appeared so many times the the time is compressed into me that thinking that it went it. back farther. That must be it. I don't know. It was also the first appearance of Jason Todd. Had to be thank there. you. Right. Get those tires back, you punk. Yeah. No, no, no. The non-dick Jason Todd. <laughs> <laughs> that exists, really? Yeah, it exists. Yeah. Oh boy, I got something for what David. And and everyone else, it's uh, we haven't done this in a while. Oh, it's oh a, I know what you're going to do. It it's a fanzine flashback. Yes, that is some juicy information in this flashback. One. This is from an issue of what I considered the to be the grand poobah of comic book fanzines. It's uh, issue 151 of James Van Heise's awesome Rockets Blast comic collector. That's RBCC. And it's the very same issue that I got at C2E2 this year that Hillary Barda was nice enough to sign for me because he has, yes, he has a spot illustration in here of uh, an elderly version of the shadow from one of the subject of the issue's many stories. Uh, it's a, a special issue focusing completely on one of my favorite writers, the cantankerous, uh, diminutive Harlan Ellison. He's awesome, outspoken, he's crotchety. So oh. oh, he's amazing. Mm -hmm. I, you know, and that's another thing. I, I was, I, as I'm reading this issue, it took me a long time to do it too because it's over 100 pages long, mm -hmm. and it's 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 all really tight set type. And um, I would be happy if if uh, I would uh, have the opportunity to read nothing else but Harlan Ellison for the rest of my life. Goodness. I love, I love him. He is the, uh, his generation's, uh, Warren Ellis. I don't think wow. Warren Ellis would exist without Harlan Ellison. He, he is the progenitor of that type of, of writing and, and approach to, uh, fiction and just, uh, even their personalities are very similar. Mm -hmm. So, uh, this is really cool. This is, this is, uh, a part of an interview that Jim Van Heys did with Harlan Ellison where Harlan, Dishes out the shit on Jim Warren. And we all know who Jim Warren is, right? Warren Max. Mm -hmm. Publisher of, of Warren Publications. Get this. This is, this is juicy. I love this. He even goes oh, on, he talks shit about Jerry Conway. Uh, it's, it, yeah. <laughs> really. Yeah, he is, he is not very kind to Jerry Conway. But, um. If you've read my Twitter, I knew. <laughs> I know. He basically calls him a hack. And a mm -hmm. and a, a power mad op opportunist, but remember, this was written in 1980, so I'm sure he's changed. Quite you a, bit. you got a, a lot of a lot of uh, murder she wrote there that uh, murder she would, wrote would would, would point the other direction. Wrote. Is it no? Uh, L. A. Wait, no. What was it? Law and Order? Harry Conway. He did Law and Order: yeah. uh, Criminal Intent. Did yeah. he really? Yeah. He's yeah. He's, he's oh yeah. He was he was he was like a producer for that. Oh, that yeah. is disappointing to find out. Oh. Okay. Wow, you hold a grudge. Get this. I, I'll just read the Jerry Conway part since you're talking about him. Take Jerry you're Conway. You're talking about him, not us. Well, uh, take Jerry Conway. I've, I've known Gary, Jerry Conway for many years. We're acquaintances. Not the best of friends, but we know each other. <laughs> I can't say I much care for what Jerry writes. 
I think Jerry's kind of comic book writing is really inferior, and I'm sorry to see that because he's a man who has dem demonstrated considerable talent on occasion. But Jerry, I know. If tomorrow there was a strike, Jerry would keep on working. I just know that. Jerry's like guys in a lot of industries. They look out for number one, and number one means big house. Keeping his wife happy, two cars in the garage, and getting into movies. I think that's shameful. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love Harlan. He does not couch his speech at all. Meanwhile, though, hold on a second. Hold on, I gotta call shenanigans a little bit, though. Oh, oh yeah. Harlan Ellison, number one, has Big time. plenty of loot. Big time. Number, number two, he's got a freaking like vault of a comic book room with a fucking hermetically sealed with a fucking fingerprint scanner. So the man is not above. Uh, oh no, he makes bank. The loot yeah. to uh, to yeah. <laughs> on whim on whimsical, unnecessary things. Yep. But get this: this is Harlan Ellison talking about Jim Warren. Uh, James Van Hise asks him about Rock God. That's a story he did for Warren back in the day. Uh, and I'm almost reluctant to talk about Rock God. Jim Warren is a person whom I have disliked for a great many years. It did not start out that way. We were on very friendly terms. In fact, he introduced me to my second wife, blah, blah, blah. The whole thing with Rock God was that I was in New York, I guess, and he'd gotten in this Frazetta painting. And I looked at it, and I thought, gee, that's a great painting. Boy, I'd love to write a story about it. Well, Warren conned me and said, okay, I'll pay you X amount of money. It was a nice piece of change. And we'll get whoever you want for the artist. And I said, Neil Adams. He said, we'll get Neil Adams. He said, on top of that, we'll push all your books in the back of Erie or Creepy or wherever the hell he was going to publish it. And I knew that he was selling a lot of books through those ads that a lot of kids were getting turned on to stuff. That was the chief reason why I did it, to get my books seen in that market. And then, uh, so uh, he wanted to get his book seen. Well, I was also supposed to get the original artwork. I was supposed to buy it from Neil. Neil and I had talked about it, and he said, fine, no problem. But Jim Warren kept it. He wouldn't give it back to Neil. Warren didn't have any right to it, but he kept it. He always said, well, I have the rights to this artwork. They sold all the rights to me, blah, blah, blah. There's been that controversy going for a long time, and I think it's one of the most meretricious policies. It's malignant in the industry for them to hang on to original artwork, the magazine publishers, that is. I think that for pure self-service, to the exclusion of the betterment of their brothers and sisters, for pure greed and for pure cowardice, there is no greater bunch of totems in any of the arts that I know of that approaches the cowardice of comic book people. The conditions under which most of them work are no better than sweatshops. The hours they work, the prices for which they work, the way they are held in bondage. There are only two markets, really, and they play one against the other. It's shocking. Then I read all of this bleeding and crying and pissing and moaning in the comics journal and the comics reader about Gerber, who gets booted out of there, and Lynn Wein gets booted out of there. They're fucking kicked around and treated like shit, and then they try to start an organization like Neil Adams and a few others who tried to really bulldog them into doing it, the old fuckers didn't want to be bothered. You know, we get our $26 a page or $32 a page, whatever the fuck it is they get, and the young people don't have any clout. They run around like chickens with their heads cut off. Anyhow, as a, con as a consequence, they're like whole congeries 
of European duchies fighting amongst themselves <laughs> for land that is being raped by robber barons. I just wonder how long it's going to be before people in comics band together and stand up on their high legs and say, no more. We're just not going to have this happen any longer. And then the Jerry Conway part comes and he gets eventually gets back to Jim Warren. He says, uh, he's a chintzy, cheesy little man. He's a very little, little man, and he loves to play big entrepreneur. He screwed Will Eisner. He screwed Richard Corbin. He screwed everybody of talent. You know, if he ever played straight with people, he could be a very highly thought of and reputable publisher, but he's not. He's a schlockmeister. He's <laughs> always been a schlockmeister. That's the kind of mentality he has. He's the guy who always looks for the angle. He always looks to screw you. Then after he screws you and you complain about it, he finds 500 things you did wrong and that he muddies the water with. Uh, there was a party at a convention where I did a series of drawings with Bill Rotzler uh, called the Kong Papers. We were coming through the lobby, blah, blah, blah. Jim Warren sees them and wants to publish them. And he says he'll give, them, he'll give them X amount of dollars for them. I said, we'll see about it, Jim. I would sooner sell my horse and cart before I'd ever work for Jim Warren again. I mean, there's no amount of money the man could ever offer me. In fact, they offered me money to buy, and it's underlined, buy, a boy and his dog. And I said, no, absolutely wow. not. Mm. I, I told my agent that I don't, give, I don't care if he offers me $8 million. He cannot have the story. So yeah. Warren, Warren went ahead, and he told a writer to adapt it and to use a different name on it well that isn't quite what happened i don't want to get into the whole thing because the writer involved is a good guy but they in essence they took a boy and his dog and they reworked it and published it under a different name and you know uh then ellis goes on to to say uh it's very strange when i think back on all the various involvements i've had with comic books and comic book people denny o'neill is one of my best friends I wouldn't know how to live in a world that Denny O'Neill wasn't in. He's just one of the really important people in my life. Len Wein, Marv Wolfman, little, um, and then he says Bill Stout's a good friend. Will Eisner are pretty, and I are pretty tight since I worked on the Spirit. You know, we've gotten together a couple of times, and then he just goes on and on and on to just diss Jim Warren and that type of uh, old-fashioned publishing uh, mindset where they think they could just grab and take and publish and make money off it and not compensate the creative people. It's all about the creative people. And uh, then I guess he was uh, wrote a treatment for the spirit. That sounds, I got to admit, it sounds a hell of a lot cooler than the, the uh, spirit movie we were, uh, <laughs> ah, we, were we were ex yeah. exposed to. Uh, he's talking about Will Eisner. He says, Will and I understood one essential thing, that if you're going to do it visually, what you have to do is write Will Eisner as Fellini. If you do Fellini's vision, you've got Will Eisner's vision kind of gritty and earthy and strange and he goes on to describe what his opening shot would be and it's damn cool and i i, I kind of wish that's the way it was uh filmed but eventually i guess they lost eisner um bill friedkin blew it and the project never got made and and so mm. we we eventually had the spirit that we had but the, uh, this issue's gold from from front to back david there's an adaptation of will uh, um ellison's story called soldier and you know who drew it? Oh, shoot. I'll save you the trouble. Carrie Gamble. You, nice. You, I, you showed me this. Carrie Gamble. You, you showed yeah. me this issue. Who is kicking ass 
over at his own company, Monsterverse, doing the Tales right, of yeah, Bela Lugosi's yeah. Tales from the... Oh, they're just great books. And it is but, a uh, long adaptation. I remember looking through that when you it. Bought is it is friggin' long. And did yeah. you know that uh, Ellison... There was litigation between Ellison and the makers of the first Terminator movie because he claimed that the concept of the Terminator was a little bit too close to his, uh, it was originally titled The Soldier from Tomorrow, but this adaptation is just called Soldier. It was very close to uh, his story to the point where they settled out of court, and I guess, I have never checked this, but if you uh, sit through the opening credit or the end credits of The Terminator, they mention Harlan Ellison. No kidding. Yeah. I did not know that. Cool. I only wanted to sit through The Terminator, you know, once. But yeah. Oh, come go. on. <laughs> Seriously? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I like oh Terminator. I like Terminator Two a hell of a lot better oh than Terminator God. One. It's... Terminator Two is awesome. It is. Yep. Whew. But the first one kind of slow. Can't talk. You're not allowed. You done lost it's, your mind. It's kind of slow. You cannot talk. I about think that me. mullet was uh, affecting your brainwaves. In that Come 80s. with me if you want to live. Yeah. Claws, <laughs> give them to me. <laughs> Fuck that you, asshole. Speaking of Arnold, Expendables Two is going to be the jam. That looks. Fun. I never saw the first one. <laughs> what? The first, it's, the, it's it's not. It's a bad movie, but it's, it it's, is. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, but you know, if if you if you enjoyed the eighties action films, it's hard not to. I, 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 I spent a weekend watch, spending uh, ninety minutes watching that, so it was. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. It was. It was. It had its moments, but yeah. it did. Yeah, I mean, I, I have. I don't watch much TV, so I don't get to see many many movies and television shows. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. I have never seen an episode of The Office. I have I've never seen two minutes of the office. You know, I, I don't. I don't know I, what the I whole thing is. Not a rally. Yeah, I mean, it supposedly uh, takes place in in my city, right, Scranton? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've never seen the damn thing. I don't I, even. I, for the original, I think the American version overstayed its welcome. They they should have wrapped it up. Definitely, I think it was funny for a few seasons, like really funny, and then it yeah. it it. it uh, is it still going it, on? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is it? Wasn't this the last year, or is there another year? I don't know. I don't know if it is the last year. Are they doing James Spader long? took over, right? Yeah, he was the one I think they ended up getting. But yeah, it was. Idris Elba showed up. It was. It was. It Why? Was, yeah, I watched when Idris Elba showed up. I'd seen that, but but I had stopped watching it a few seasons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now so, I got I got to uh, throw a little gift towards to Chris. Hmm. Uh, probably an "I told you so" moment for Chris. Wow. Uh, I I saw. I, I actually paged through Darwin Cook's latest uh, Parker adaptation today. Mm-hmm. I think I made a bad choice in not. Oh, yeah, because it is. With you, do it not order is. That. It. Oh, I believe me, it's on its way now. <laughs> nice. But uh, and I got the second one for ten bucks on nice. Amazon. Oh, sweet. Nice. Yeah, the, I got the third one for thirteen, the second one for ten. Um, yeah. I, I looked through it today at the shop. Oh my. God, is it gorgeous? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't wait to get it this weekend. Me neither. Now, it's a, different. It's a big, big week. It's that the uh, the the fifth uh, Hellboy edition, the yeah. the yeah. super deluxe, yep. which I haven't gotten yet. So, Ed Pisker's uh, WYSIWYG, I think, comes out today. That's yep. supposed to You're be right. huge. Dude, speaking of, uh, you know, it's funny you say that. If it's about looking through it and then ordering it, because when I was at Forbidden Planet, they had uh, sitting right up front on display the uh, the Jack Davis hardcover that came out. A month uh-huh. or two ago. Uh, and, you know, I love Jack Davis, but I didn't pre-order it because you know it's 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 like a you know it's like a history book. It's not 
so you never right. know what you're going to get. But I looked through it. Oh my God, it's beautiful. It's it's oversized. It's it's beautiful. So I ordered it this as soon as I got home. Yeah. Now what's the um the name of the new Parker, Chris? Is it the score? Ah, uh, you would ask me. I don't have it. But do, isn't he going that. chronologically in uh, with yeah. the part? Yeah. So what's the third book? It's the score. The score. The score, right? Yeah. yeah. I think the cover is by far the best one of of the three. It's an amazing cover, very powerful stuff, and and I'm looking through it. I'm like, dude, what the hell is wrong with me? Why am I letting the the genre keep in, keep me away from this beautiful, gorgeous cut above artwork? It's it's just amazing. The lines are thank you. Dri- they're dripping the, well, with, yeah, with I beauty. Don't, I, don't, I don't know what's your problem with with. What the genre is? It's, it's. I don't have a problem with it. It just does not just ignite. It doesn't ignite anything. Yeah. Uh, and and maybe I have to just look beyond that, and 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 yeah. or, try and or, try and find or embrace something. Embrace it. Well, I could do that. Yeah, I I could try and and I'm see what just... what millions of people uh, are uh, find that I don't. I I just I don't. It's the, the, I, the I, th- com- I think it's a very interesting commentary on the on the times. It's the it's the the seedy underbelly of of a particular time in American history, and I think it's fascinating. Um, mm. I was watching. You know, we're talking about films. I watched one of my one of my all time favorite films the other night it came on the local pbs station and and i couldn't i couldn't turn it off and marta came out and she's like what are you doing i was like watching the hustler and it is i if you've never seen oh god it is the color money prequel it's the hustler is a perfect movie for me it is it is so real but there's i mean there's it definitely uh kind of kind of what um david was talking about you know there there are dialogue mo- you know when he's talking about uh, uh broken city i mean there there are dialogue moments where you're just like yeah this doesn't happen in real life but mm-hmm. it's just that total embracing of of a, a counterculture and in a in a seedy you know, underbelly of how people lived. I just, uh, I love that movie. I should and that's, check it that's out. That's the Westlake stuff. Because I, I read the magazine religiously. So, ah, it's, um, different. <laughs> I would think so. Not the same. A lot less pink. <laughs> yeah. A lot less. What do we got? <laughs> Who wants to go? I want to hear some stuff. Um, you didn't gotta, go yet. Um, a little bit of a shout out, a quick shout out to uh, uh, Bob Breedle, who uh, um, longtime poster on our forum and fellow podcaster, uh, and and he will uh, have some some nice uh, recommendations. Uh, and and I I grabbed this one, not really knowing because sometimes I need to educate myself a little bit on the history of of comic books. And this is uh, Doug Wildley's Rio. Oh yeah. Um, I am uh, pretty unfamiliar with Doug Wildly and and Bob Wildly or Wildy? Is it Wildy? Yeah. Wildy. I think it's D E Y. Okay, Wildy. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm I don't know. But um, yeah, Bob had uh, uh had recommended this in one of our our forums and um. Uh, the way he described it, it's, a, it's an oversized hardcover that is a collection of uh, Wildy's complete Rio, or as complete as it can be, because he uh, passed away 
working on the on on his last story for it and uh and it is some really really beautiful old western stuff and um um kind of going through it, i haven't read it all i've i just kind of flipped through it and i'm going to start reading it this weekend my my initial impression is that the early black and white stuff is white masterpiece comic booking i mean it is absolutely gorgeous and the the sequential storytelling is absolutely masterful to use that term again um that continues through the book but we get into um kind of some of the some of the later the later work and the coloring does not do this art a whole lot of favors was oh really yeah it's um it's pretty pretty rough and it's i don't know if it's the kind of subpar it, it was a bad stylistic decision in my opinion um it looks very very 70s um and and fairly low budget in the in the coloring and it looks like a lot of um marker coloring that uh that they had taken probably the original pencils and then gone over them in uh in marker for the for the coloring and that is not a good look in, in mm. my opinion so it's um but the 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 first half the the black and white stuff is beautiful and like I said, the 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 storytelling continues to to look great. Um, the the art kind of um, the the underbelly of the art, the 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 skeleton of the art is still very solid. But the yeah, the the coloring doesn't do it any favors. Um, it retails for forty nine ninety nine. Is the is the uh, the MSRP on it? Uh, and it's uh uh, if you're a fan of westerns, if you're obviously a Doug Wildey fan, it, it's something that you want to check out. Um, but you may want to uh, may want to take a, a peek through it before you order it. But I'm looking forward to, to reading it. Uh, I've been going through uh, Mobius's uh, blueberry stuff, so I'm kind of on a western nice. right now. <laughs> Jesus, but, uh, nowhere, there's nowhere to go but down after that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's. Did, uh, did you know that uh, Doug Wildey suckled at the teat of Alex Toth? Yes, and, and you can tell. In this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I guess when Toth was was big into animation, Wildey was doing. I uh, love Wildey's Johnny Quest. Yeah, he was doing designs for Johnny Quest. Yep. He's a, you, he's a gr- he's a great visual stylist. I like his stuff a lot, but mm-hmm. you can definitely see the Toth influence in his work. It's it's pretty uh, pretty blatant. Yeah, I would say yeah. if you. A, a fan of art books than uh than Rio the complete saga and it's by IDW by the way so uh uh tip to the uh cap uh, for IDW who continues to to kind of step out and print things that um I don't think anybody else in the industry is writing truth so, nice Wildy did some stuff for Skywall too I got a soft spot for Skywall always did cool. yeah, yeah you yeah. have it's true yeah what else we got, Geminin? Well, um, I, I, and it, the the person I'm going to mention, uh, I am not on their payroll as much as uh, someone may think. After bringing them up again, I <laughs> I spoke. Um, what was it last week? Maybe two weeks ago about uh, the Killer uh, by uh, Jacquemin and Mutz, 
And David had mentioned at the time, uh, having been partway through uh, their other work called Cyclops, and I had the hardcover on my shelf. And so uh, I actually read uh, Cyclops this week, which is by the same team that uh, brought us the killer. Uh, no kidding. And it's uh, volume one. It's also by Archaea. Uh, it is, um, it collects, it's a four, it's a, it's going to be a four arc story. Um, and the first two arcs have been printed in comic form. And this collects those first two. Um, the other two, I, I'm not sure. Have we seen any of the issues of the third series? Yet? I'm not sure that we have. Um, do you know, David? I have only seen myself. I've only seen, I think, up to issue um, issue six was the last time I was actually looking. Okay. Uh, I'm partway through the third issue. Okay. So I think I have. I've read most of the hardcover you have. Okay. Yeah, because this this collects the recruit and the hero, which were the fir- the first two of four arcs. Right. But. Um, this takes place in 2054, and I will be spoiler-free because David's in the middle of reading it. And uh, but but it, it it's um, this is just basically synopsis stuff. Uh, two, it takes place in 2054, um, and it follows the story of a gentleman named Doug Pistoa, who is um, he's an Italian American. Well, he's he's got dual citizenship. He's 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 American and European because at this point. The European Union is a true. There is only Europe is all one country, uh, and he's a former like world class soccer player who tears up his knee. Uh, now he can't get a job, so um, he gets a job working for a private security company. And it this is at a time when the United Nations has decided to outsource military operations to private military corporations. And he is being groomed by the powers that be to not only be a part of this uh, company, but uh, they soon decide that he is uh, the perfect hero. So not only is he as part of it, but the, all the soldiers, um, when they go into the field, have uh, cameras on their helmets that record everything. And the way that these mm-hmm. corporation funds the operations is by selling the television and media rights to all this action to big media conglomerates. Uh, and the, the book is titled Cyclops because the helmet camera is in the middle of the helmet, and so all the soldiers say it makes him look like a cyclops. Um, but let me tell you, this book uh, is unbelievably poignant for the time. Uh, you know, I was a big fan of DMZ, uh, which just recently wrapped up because I thought Brian Wood was really touching on some very poignant uh, and timely uh, issues that our world was facing. Um, this is very much a sci-fi thriller. Um, that I don't think takes itself too seriously. I mean, it's it's definitely entertainment for entertainment's sake, but underlying that, which I think is the key to any good science fiction, is a really I think stark and true um, mirror image of the kind of things that our world's sort of dealing with and heading to. You know, you've got the private, you've got the issue of private militarization and what that would do to the issues of morality and uh, honor. You've got um, the notion that all the countries of the world are broke, and so they really have no choice but to outsource this stuff. You've got, you know, the European Union being brought under one country, under one guise. You've got the U.S. being too broke to, you know, no longer the superpower and having to basically acquiesce to the whims of other uh, UN members. It's, it's got all these crazy things. You've got people that are really well educated and 
in our world would be wildly successful people, but in this world, there just aren't enough jobs to go around. And so these people have to do almost anything to make a living. So it's just, it was fascinating in that regard. Um, and again, as I said, when The Killer came out, the Jacquemont's art is fantastic. Uh, it's just a beautiful book. Um, you know, in, if you read in, in the hardcover, it's got an interview with the guys, and they talk about how, because um, Moss is the screenwriting for a lot of movies as well, and he said this was always had to be a, a graphic novel for him because the you know it's a world spanning, uh, you know, global futuristic thing, and and there's no way that you could ever make a movie out of this, even though he was approached to do so, because it wouldn't do it justice. Whereas in a comic, you know, you have basically an unlimited budget, and it really is one of those things where I don't think this could work in anything but a comic because it's you know be like a billion dollars to make this movie. Um, but man, oh man, I got to tell you, I I. Uh, I'm just a huge fan of this creative group now. I mean, they've been together for almost over a decade doing stuff together. Um, but uh, I just adored this from start to finish. And uh, once David is is caught up and read the whole thing, we'll, we can maybe dive into the, the nitty-gritty. But uh, super awesome. I can't recommend enough that people check this out. I, I liked it more than The Killer, even. And and it's just visually, it's you can tell it's it's them, but it's not. It's it's looks completely different than The Killer. It, it's a little bit, I guess, more... Um, I don't want to say polished, but just a little bit tighter. Uh, but and and a completely different tone and and just I mean obviously it's set in the future and and it's it's but it's I checked it out because of the killer and and I'm glad I did. You know, if someone said if you like the killer, you might not like. I don't. It's just it's good stuff. What I've read so far, I I, I will get back to it. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. See now that the way you described it. That that sounds more like real life to me than science fiction, because a lot of those things like DMZ are dangerously close to the truth. Mm-hmm. Well, this yeah. is this is. I mean, but but again, it takes place in 2054, right? But the issues, like the things, could he could have easily made this story, said it in 2012, and it wouldn't be that far off, right? I mean, you know, there are some you probably included Vince that are convinced, you know, of like, you know, the influence of groups like Caliburton and stuff already, and you know, this yeah. this kind of takes that to the end to, to the next logical step you know um so uh it's 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 awesome and and the characters are really well fleshed out you know they're they're not um you know whereas the 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 main character of the killer is is it's is not only an assassin but but pretty morally bereft you know almost almost sociopathic he doesn't really think much of humanity for the most part but this guy is is different he's he's a he very much i think would view himself as a as a hero and a good man you know a good he's he's newlywed and, and he's he took the job basically to support his family and that sort of thing, but you know he gets caught up in in the issues of fame and power and starts to make mistakes. And I think a lot of men, even in modern times, would make those same mistakes. So um, yeah, it's it's very 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 interesting stuff, very thought provoking hmm. stuff. You were on my mind this weekend. Ooh. I was. Yes, Jason was. Oh, you were always on my mind. Well, that's so, that's true too, oh. but. But even more so than usual, I will say, because uh, the book I read is right in your wheelhouse, I hope, because it, it deals with a subject that in which you uh, contribute every day. Every day, you well, I shouldn't say five days out of every week of your life, you, okay. you uh, deal in this stuff. And uh, it's from Top Shelf. Okay. The awesome publisher, Top Shelf, Chris uh, mm-hmm. Staros. This is by Mr. Eddie Campbell. It's uh, co-published by Top Shelf and Knockabout Comics. It's called The Lovely Horrible Stuff. And it's 
essentially Eddie Campbell's musings on money. That's why I uh-huh. thought about you, because uh, all of the events, uh, both uh, personal and uh, those of a wider focus to Mr. Campbell, all of the events in this book are impacted by currency, money. Ooh, money, 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 money. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, initially, uh, Campbell's focus is very narrow, right? He examines the application of currency in the areas of intellectual property, something very important to a man, a creative individual that makes his living on the idea. I mean, that that's Eddie Campbell's stock and trade, the idea and how he translates those ideas to paper to please people that want to consume it and pay him for it that that's his mm-hmm. whole you know reason for 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 being i would i would think um because he doesn't make refrigerators or widgets uh he makes art that's his value so how does one monetize identity um and in examining the what's and the hows and the whys campbell reveals the person behind the ideas in the art like all his considerations on currency uh are the scalpel that cuts through the thick exterior that Campbell presents to the world. And, and we actually get to see the real Eddie Campbell in, in, in this book. Uh, the, the Campbell that you don't see in From Hell or, or, uh, you know, his Batman story, uh, that he did for DC, that painted Batman story, uh, or even for the most part, Bacchus. I mean, Campbell was, was a, a huge part of that. But these, the autobiographical stories that Eddie's been, been dealing in the past, um, well, uh, quite a while. He reveals the the person of Eddie Campbell, like Alec, is a character in 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 his books, and a lot of the stuff uh, is not pretty. I mean, there's nothing varnished here. He uh, he lays himself pretty bare in, in this book. Uh, he has a tendency to control, um, and it's something that ultimately lands him and his wife in counseling. There's a really cool symbolic nugget that that uh, Campbell employs throughout the book and it's a a uh, a bunch of pink helium balloons it's right on the cover you see right where the the title is it's Campbell floating with a bunch of pink helium balloons and um it's it's the thing that on which Campbell relies to carry him over like the pitfalls of existence uh it's a very very cool book i mean so if you're a fan of Eddie Campbell there's a lot of, of, of meat on which to chew. He talks about the proposed TV show based on him and his ideas. Uh, he had a, a couple snippets of that on his, uh, his blog. Uh, he talks about the creation of the artwork on the Australian dollar, his, his dealings with an accountant. Uh, some It's very mundane stuff, but the, the, the filter by which it's presented, is it, he makes it exciting. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think Eddie talking to accountant. How is that going to capture my attention for two, three pages? But he, ma- right. he makes it. He makes it work, right? Um, dealings with his daughter, his wife, and his father-in-law. All this stuff through the focus of money and its influence, and the way it transforms and affects people and events. Uh, the stock market uh, brouhaha of two thousand and eight, and the, the uh, world recession that resulted from that had profound effect uh, on his creative and personal endeavors because. Uh, I guess his relationship with his father-in-law was shaky to begin with, mm-hmm. but the old dude gets into this harebrained uh, 
and, and really very wasteful legal endeavor uh, concerning uh, a house and and uh, the 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 uh, origin's not important, but uh, what is important is um, Eddie lent him money, and and it was part uh-huh. of the part of the financial windfall that Campbell received from from Hell, the film. Ooh. And uh, so the, the 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 old guy goes into this really silly legal battle where uh, against the advice of legal counsel, like you, you're really not going anywhere with this lawsuit, but he 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 perseveres and Eddie gets to the point where he's got to take the old dude to task because of money he's afraid of losing his money uh, through this guy's you know pissing contest with lawyers uh, mm-hmm. so and also the animated uh, the, the the TV show that they were going to do based on Campbell had an animated snooter from uh, his graphic novel after the snooter it's this little insect-like creature that appears at at, at certain times in his life but because uh, the world was in a recession they didn't have the money to bankroll this thing so he had to compromise his vision uh, that's that's just like the personal side then he goes off on this and this is where I thought of you Jason he goes off on this wild tangent um, exploring the an island called yap okay and have you heard of it? And, and the, the, the denizens of this island have a currency that's a stone disc that's called the rye. And, and okay. the, the, the men of the island would travel 250 miles by sea on these like, perilous voyages to this neighboring island of, uh, I think it's uh, the island of Palu, to carve these discs out of stone that they couldn't find on Yap. Right? And, and the more dangerous the trip, the more value would be attributed to the stones like so uh if you had rye produced under relatively uneventful conditions like all right they had a a decent trip they would not those discs would not hold as much value to the people of this island as those created during a journey that involved like say a bad storm or if some one of the members of the tribe lost their life in the process like if, if if they were eaten by sharks those discs would be really valuable to to this tribe and um so he takes these these discs that were produced in in uh, I guess uh, I think it's the 1800s or, or even earlier than that. Uh, he takes these discs and he ties it into our current fiat monetary system, where it, it, there's one instance where they made this huge disc, and and it was much coveted by by the dudes that made it uh, and those that went with them. But on the way back, the disc fell off the. The, the little boat that they were rowing and it fell to the ocean floor, right? So you think, oh well, there goes a great disc. Somebody could have got rich, rich in quotes based on their idea of rich. They could have got rich off this disc, but the family that was to be the owners of this disc were still considered wealthy. Mm. Even though they, even though they didn't have the disc physically in their possession, they were considered very wealthy. And so he ties it into the, like that 1932 deal where France thought they they questioned the solvency of the american dollar so they asked the federal reserve to take everything that they owed france and just put it aside for them in the federal reserve like this is france's gold you can't touch this so their wealth was based on all this gold in the federal reserve thousands of miles away but it wasn't real wealth it it was it was perceived wealth it didn't really exist like the disc on the bottom of the sea mm-hmm. the, the the family is said to own it but they didn't really possess it. They didn't. It, it wasn't with them. So that's Sounds how he familiar. ties it. Yeah, he ties it into like our current monetary system. But sure, 
I got to say, if you are not experienced with Eddie Campbell stuff and you uh, consume a steady diet of superhero and, and, you know, genre work like sci-fi and fantasy, this may be a stretch because it's, it's basically Eddie thinking on paper and it's dense. It's only, it's like a hundred pages, but it'll take you a good while to read this book because it's just Eddie talking about currency and, and, uh, he uses this little, uh, symbolic thing. Whenever he starts daydreaming, all these blue and white bubbles come out of his head and his wife ha- has a saying like she says, yeah, everybody knows when you've gone away, Eddie, because you get this look on your face and you just, you, you go into these flights of fancy and that's the whole book. It's a, it's a flight of fancy con- uh, with Eddie Campbell on the subject of money. And I, 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 I hesitate to recommend this to, to people who haven't experienced Eddie, Eddie Campbell's autobiographical stuff because it may be a, sl- a slog for them. I got to be honest. I adored it because I love Eddie Campbell. So I thought the book was fantastic. But to pull back and look at it objectively for what it is, peruse it before you, you read it because uh, you got to know what you're getting. Uh, it's wonderful, but if you expect... Um, to be transported uh, to distant planets or to see giant monsters fight, <laughs> it's, it's not going to happen. It's it's not you, I, Jason. I think you will love it. It sounds actually really good. I I, I um I must admit, uh, Eddie Campbell outside of From Hell is a pretty big uh, white white space for me. Not not for any particular. I mean, mm-hmm. not because I I I've avoided him or, or not or that I dislike him. I I just haven't gotten around to really yeah getting up to speed on, on him i own a, i actually own a, quite a few of his works uh that i've collected the last few years of different sales mm-hmm. and the like and, and they're just kind of sitting there waiting to be tackled at some point so you awesome have got to meet in person if you have you oh, yeah. you've met him yes wow. he uh did a Jealous. reading at quimby's uh a couple years ago um i think two years ago he was uh he was in the states for uh for san diego and uh, Chicago Comics and Quimby's, I think, um, partnered up to, to bring him into town on his way to New York for, for some signings out there. And so, yeah, sat down, uh, little, little Quimby's comic shop and he did, uh, did a reading and then answered questions and signed anything awesome. that you wanted to read. Just a incredibly pleasant, engaging guy. I mean, the, the epitome of a gentleman. It was yes, fantastic. That, well, yeah, you can you can get that from his his work because I mean he's so honest. Yeah. Uh, he he just seems like a very well mannered, tasteful, methodical person. But there are those eruptions, and you'll see them in, in this book. But uh, and and again, um, do you guys have the years have pants? That huge. That's yeah. one of the things I have sitting on my shelf. Yeah. All right. Um, picture the art style in that book. Right. Now drop photographs underneath all of the panels. Mm. And that, and that's what lovely horrible stuff is. He uses, he employs a lot of photography in this book. Maybe off putting to some, I liked it because, like he'll draw right over the photograph. And some photographs he leaves the background, uh, intact. Some photographs he'll go in with a little bit of paint, but it's all very loose. Um, the art has a conversational tone, which is really fitting for this book because it's just basically Eddie Campbell talking to the reader. It's very conversational, and and the, the images reflect that. So, again, know what you're buying. Take a look at it. 
uh, if it if it flips your your switch, then by all means pick it up and read it because it, it's it's great. If you want if you want just a nice introduction to to Eddie Campbell that isn't as um, maybe intimidating as <laughs> as the years have pants, which is a freaking tome, it's gigantic. Or, or uh, it's it's yeah it's I'm afraid to, I'm afraid to get into it you know or, or some of his other stuff. There is a remarkable little book that uh, I'm looking. You can pick it up uh, at Amazon for six and a half bucks now. Uh, the amazing, remarkable Monsieur Leotard. Yes, it's yep. so good. It yeah. is. It's, it's my, a great book. It's my favorite Eddie Campbell work because nice. it's it's very lighthearted. Um, it's incredibly imaginative and just <clears throat> beautifully illustrated. It's um, um, so, so good. And it's just a nice little pocketbook sized um, graphic novel and uh, not incredibly expensive. So if you're looking for a nice introduction to Eddie Campbell without reading from hell or some of his, 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 crazier bigger stuff um the amazing remarkable monsieur leotard is one of my absolute favorites yeah david i think would like bacchus because mm -hmm. bacchus is the god of wine and we all know how much david loves the grape <laughs> yeah. that is, he likes that's... it even more if it was called bucus <laughs> oh yeah it is just oh. you're, you're, you're uh, often a jerk you know that's <laughs> <laughs> that has been on my radar the, for a while. fate of the artist is supposed to be really good oh it's great yeah, very good. Um, but huge props to Chris Staros for publishing books like this because, mm -hmm. you know, there are very few publishers that would, would take a chance on, on a book like this. And uh, Staros is, is one of that uh, that little uh, tiny crew. So uh, pick it up. It's cheap, too. It's a hardcover, Did 100 pages. It's only 15 bucks. Cheapest. Oh, that is cheap. Yeah. Did you guys, any of you ever read The Flaming Carrot? Yes. Bob Burden? <laughs> Hell yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Why do Why you, are you sighing, David? No, I, David loves I, it. Uh, yeah, and I saw your, uh, Bob Burton, but I, I, I saw your forum post. Yeah, yeah. Bob Burton just started a Kickstarter campaign <laughs> to uh, no bring shit. A, a flaming yeah. carrot hardcover out. Really? Uh, yeah, what? 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 <laughs> yep. <laughs> that is awesome. What, what, what are some of the. I heard there was some Kickstarter kerfuffle this week. Um, well, there was. Oh, yeah. What do you mean? What's they it, raised uh, over a million dollars for a video game system in eight hours. Oh, there was the uh, there was uh, the Neil Stevenson Clang. Oh no, that wasn't that half a mil though. Was that like two? No, no. I'm talking. About, this is a, a video game oh. console, an open source, con an Android based console that uh, oh, wow. they they raised over a million bucks in uh, in eight, eight hours. Um, is, no, I, is, is I, the I kerfuffle that. you're talking about the Cyberforce thing? It, no, it's the... Oh, Penny that? Arcade. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It hasn't, that hasn't started yet. It was just announced um, they're going to do it. Penny Arcade is doing oh, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't, I, I, you're right. I did see something on that on the Twitter sphere, although I don't know what that's about. Yeah, I need to, I need to, to figure it out, but apparently um, Penny Arcade is doing a Kickstarter, and that's, you know... It, the, I, yeah, it's all... I know what the deal is? Yeah, huh? what's the deal? The deal is... Uh, if they reach a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar level 
of uh, contributions, they will remove X amount of advertising from their site. If they receive $500,000 of paid contributions, they will remove all of the advertising from their site. It's and basically a Kickstarter to pay them for the advertising money they would have generated by advertisements okay. on their site. That's and so, like so, I mean, I, mean yeah. I wouldn't back something like that, but what's the kerfuffle about? Like, why? Why is that? Is that people? people are, I guess. Now, I, I, I guess. I, I, th- I think we're getting to the point with Kickstarter of the, the, the little creator that, that could aspect and the larger company that is, is using Kickstarter now. It's, I, we're, I, I almost feel like we're not that far away from like Marvel doing a Kickstarter. You know, that, I, that won't happen, but it's, I think that's kind of the feeling that, that some people are getting. And, you know, whenever you, you have creators that are, uh, that are, you know, asking for like, you know, 60, 80, $100,000 goals on stuff, you know, it's, it, it's kind of gone beyond the, I, I want to get this thing off the ground to. Sure. Well, know, like I said, the, yeah, that's one of the things I love about Kickstarter though, is that it's, it's, it's pure democracy. Yep. If, if, if someone doesn't, I mean, I, I, I'm on Kickstarter pretty much every day this, at this point looking at stuff and really, that's yeah. Gross. And, uh, I don't and, have to because he is, and anytime he backs <laughs> something, I get the email. So then I check right. it out. <laughs> and uh, and I will say to you that that you know we all have, I'm sure, our own criteria for what we'll back, and and there are lots of things I will not back. Like I won't if 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 somebody's incentives are going to be significantly more expensive than like what I would pay off the shelf or something, I'm not going to yeah. back it. Like for example, some campaigns like it looked cool, the descriptions look cool, the arts looked cool, and then I look at this and it'll be like for 25 bucks I get like a PDF of the first two issues of the book and I'm like no, yeah, you know, that, nah. that's just not and again I'm, I'm sure I, I look at other shit you know I saw the most brilliant fucking thing on Kickstarter it was just like why hasn't someone made this it was a bike helmet that had a headlight in the front of it and yeah, turn yeah. signals in the back yeah you know, yeah, was, yeah. and it was just like cool. it's brilliant it's brilliant yeah. why hasn't you know no what one, but what I was, what I, was go ahead, go ahead. okay Okay. No, I was just going to say I don't find the idea of Marvel running a Kickstarter that obscene. Well, that's what I was getting at is that is that I'm totally think Chris is right. It will happen, um, but again, this for people to vote with their wallets. If if mm-hmm. if that becomes if people fund that, then it should happen. If people don't fund it, then Marvel won't do it again. Like it's just right. like like I made I I ripped on the uh, the, the Top Cow news. For those that don't know, what we're talking about um, it was Mark Silvestri who owns Top Cow um, announced that uh, that. In October, he's going to start a Kickstarter campaign to bring back Cyberforce. And uh, although all the details haven't been made known, he said the plan is if they raise enough, and I don't know what enough is yet, but whatever the amount they say is enough, they will print Cyberforce for free and make it available in issue form for the masses. So you're basically subsidizing like Cyberforce to come back as a free comic for everybody. Um, now, I personally will not go anywhere near funding that because – my and this is the great thing about Kickstarter or or Indiegogo or anything else is that you know to each his own. For me, that doesn't fit what I'm looking to support because Top Cow is a really profitable uh, you know media company with some pretty big wins in their careers. And Sylvester is not hurting for money, and so you know he's in the he's in the for profit publishing business. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm not going to subsidize that. But that said, I will not be at all surprised if Cyberforce gets funded and then some, yeah. and if it does, then he was right to have done it, right? I mean, it's it's because the one thing about no one is you know no one's being duped into this. You're 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 going in eyes wide open. You know exactly what you're getting. You know exactly what you're paying, and it's the ultimate 
democratization because you're choosing the amount you're paying and you're and you're determining that, that what you're getting back in return is worth the amount. And so that's pretty powerful stuff. So yep. um and I do think you're going to see it more and more because although comic books are still relatively a niche thing, you're seeing some really big funding now. I mean there there are a lot oh, of yeah. Of, of startups that are that are uh, that are happening, and it, one of the other things too that it's showing me is the power of fucking web comics. You know that is that oh, is a, sure. That, well, the order of the stick, oh. which is still the number one uh, comic book uh, Kickstarter campaign, raised over a million dollars. Yeah, to to yeah. reprint you know a web comic, which is insane, right? But it, um, it is it, it is nice. amazing to me, and I feel like I've had you know like my back turned on a huge part of of the medium that I love and you know stuff like Kickstarter makes you realize that yeah there are people that go into the comic shop every Wednesday but there are millions of people that read web comics and it's yeah. you know that's the majority of comics readers are are web comic readers and that freaks me out a little bit but I'm realizing that it's it's very true now Mm-hmm. I would em- embrace a Marvel Kickstarter if uh, creators uh, I respect and admire their work. Um, well, I, I don't even know if it has to be respect. Creators whom I admire. Say uh, you got your Fred Van Linty, right? And he goes to the, the, the big boys and says, you know what? I really want to do a man thing comic. That's pretty close to not ever happening a regular ongoing man thing comic right but say you know somebody has the bright idea let's do a marvel fringe label and mm. we'll fund this shit through kickstarter you know what i mean you want to see a man thing an ongoing man thing comic with uh fred van lenti and say artist x sure. who's very very popular why not you know it, By it, the way, it, if you otherwise it would it, never happen yeah to your point um we're really not when it comes to books like like the you know, the third tier, quote unquote, C list Marvel or DC titles, we're not that far off from Kickstarter already. I mean, yeah, I know. they solicit. That's basically the what pre-orders are. You're right. You pre-order it. It almost yeah. gets. It basically is print to order. And if there aren't enough pre-orders, they usually can't. They'll you know they'll go ahead and cancel the title. If they if they get enough pre-orders, they'll they'll just make their run and then they'll use that to subsidize the the trade paperback. So it's really not all that different. The reason I would be averse to doing something like that though is that again. Um, first of all, I spend plenty of money on Marvel and DC anyway, but but two, they are very much for-profit publicly parts of publicly traded companies. And the thing that I love about Kickstarter and, and why I've been spending so much time on it is that um, there these are works that wouldn't likely see print otherwise. At least the stuff that I'm backing, sure. and, and it's stuff that I'm going to be thrilled to have. And 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 the any incremental profit, like if things go go hot or viral, are going to the creators' pockets. Like directly, and that's all. We were talking about this today on on the Twitter. Um, They're ending the Commandy Omnibus with Volume Two, right? At at issue forty. So there's nineteen issues out in the cold. Yes, Jack didn't work on them, but now you have a collection of stories that are never going to be quote finished. You're not going to get the entire run of Commandy in 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 the same format as the first two volumes because. That's where Jack left off, and I guess they don't feel the remaining 19 issues are of any kind of value to to uh, undergo those no, kind of expenses. No, it's, it's not. It's not about being of value. It's about can they sell enough to make money? Right, but there's a lot of great people that worked on the the remaining 19 uh, issues. You know, uh, so why not do a Kickstarter 
for those 19. Uh, gen- uh, bundle in the, the, the level uh, that you have to reach to get this thing funded. Bundle in, you know, the scanning, the retouching, the recoloring, whatever kind of uh, production process you have to fund, plus the printing, and see, see how it floats. I mean, it's worth it. Just the chance of, of finishing off the run, it's, it's worth it to undertake something like this. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You didn't lose yeah. anything, right? Definitely. But this, getting back to the, this, this Flaming Carrot thing, though. So Flaming Carrot's been out of print for more than 15 years, completely. Um, so, like, one of the, th- the, 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 the rung that I, excuse me, the, the rung that I backed, he's making 250, uh, I mean, he's making a, uh, a limited edition signed number deluxe hardcover with 250 pages plus a brand new eight-page story in it. That's oh. awesome. I mean, yeah. having a flaming carrot hardcover on my shelf is yeah, awesome. That is. <laughs> like, and that's something we wouldn't have gotten without this, you know? That's great. Love it. It's where, it's where Mystery Men came from. Yeah. Well, he talks about that actually in the campaign. You, it, one of the tiers he'll actually send, he'll let you actually get uh, uh, copies of uh, Mystery Men 1 through 4 of the issues. Wow. If he gets Paul Rubens to sign him, I'm in. You're fuzzy. <laughs> fuzzy. Yeah, you're getting all crackly. Um,. I've got a book to talk about real uh, real quickly here. I was uh I was chatting with uh with our guy Dave Windorf the other day. Nice. And he always has recommendations for me. And I even I even told him it's like it's like that's my job is to recommend books to you. And he's like, "No, we share. We go back and forth." And um as he's been bringing some major heat uh my direction in the way of recommendations. And he uh and he, he Hmm? It's a major canned heat. It's a major canned heat. It's a major music heat. Uh, he knows my taste so well, and I think was actually a little surprised that I hadn't uh, I hadn't read this yet. Um, it is The Beast of Chicago, The Murderous Career of H.H. H. Holmes uh, by Rick Geary. Ooh, and Rick Geary. It is so in my wheelhouse of uh, just being able to sit back and enjoy something. Uh, first of all, it's it's about uh, Chicago history, which you guys know how much I love my my town. Um, it is uh, a crime story, and it's a it's a true crime story, and it's beautifully illustrated. So I was was just like, yeah, absolutely, I ordered that um, immediately. Um, it is um, it's published by. NBM Comics Lit, and it is in their uh, uh, Victorian Murder Treasury Collection. Uh, Gary has done uh, a lot of other books in this series. He's done uh, some Jack the Ripper stuff, and oh gosh, it looks like there's about ten different uh, ten different titles uh, or so. Um, now, David, you are a Rick Gary fan. Yes. How how did you know him? Oh, well, uh, from the San Diego Comic-Con one-page ads and, and promo material, because he used mm-hmm. to do the, uh, the flyers for the con. Uh, but he did um, – oh, crap. He did a lot of um, – uh, adaptations. Um, were they fairy tales? Were they – Shoot, he's done. He's he's done more adaptations than than uh, than original stories, from what I remember. 
Well, that, 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 that fits with this. I mean, it's a beautiful, almost woodcut style um, to, to the, the pen and ink work that he does. Uh, but anyway, the, uh, the story, uh, The Beast of Chicago, is about H.H. H. Holmes. And anyone that's read uh, Devil in the White City will know that this is the serial killer that was, um, um, that was spotlighted in, in that novel. And so this is about kind of America's first and maybe most prolific serial killer. I know after talking about the Green River Killer, people are going to be, you know, a little worried about me that all I'm reading is serial killer comics these days. But uh, uh, Holmes was uh, uh, basically had a murder factory that he built in Chicago during the Columbian Exposition. He built this. Um, uh, building in the Inglewood neighborhood, which I would never go into these days. It's 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 a pretty uh, notoriously dangerous neighborhood. But in the time of the Columbian Exposition, which was uh, about 1870-ish, um, it was uh, a very nice uh, near suburb of the city. And he built this, this building called the Castle, is what it uh, came to be known as. And it was just filled with secret rooms and compartments and um, dissection tables and, <laughs> I mean, cra- it, um, um, airtight rooms with, that were gas chambers. Um, I mean, some really bizarre and, and, and truly um, horrific stuff. And he would take in um, female boarders. Now this sounds familiar. Okay. He would take in these, these female boarders during, during the Columbia's position. And there were some flooding into Chicago. But the Columbian Exposition was basically like the World's Fair of the time. Um, and it, um, it it saw, I forget how many hundreds of thousands of people uh, came came through Chicago because of this. And so it made for the, the perfect opportunity for a serial killer to basically take these people prisoner, kill them, and just say, oh, no, they left town. You know they were here for the they were here for the exposition and and they left, and this kind of details as much of that information as possible, but it's it's it goes beyond that. It follows um, Holmes who went under a ton, which was actually an alias, uh, and and followed his his kind of trail of of fraud and. Um, Odd business practices and serial killing uh, around uh, around the country, and it goes from uh, White New Hampshire to Chicago, and then back back out through. Oh gosh, no, it goes goes out west, and 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 then uh, back into New England before he's uh, eventually caught. He had three wives at one time. Was literally juggling. The, the relationships that he had with all of these women and business partners and it gets to a point that um, it was almost superhuman in how he was able to travel with three different families at the same time across country and not and none of them knew about the other existence 
and he's killing people the entire time. <laughs> Crazy. Um, and the, the, the book itself, there's no word balloons, there's no thought balloons. It is very much a, um, a, a documentary. If you were to imagine how a documentary would be translated to, uh, to a sequential art form, this is, this is it. It was kind of like reading the Street Channel. <laughs> it's not it's not a, a a sequential action murder thriller it is it, it's a it's a historical documentary um done in comic book form so it's very different than than how you're going to read other other things it's um very unemotional it's very matter of fact that you know Holmes went from here to here and these are the people that were with him and and details uh what is is known historically it doesn't try and fill in blanks it's very documentary um um historical retelling of of what of what happened and it was it was fucking if you're in true crime stories or or history especially um like serial killer history this is it's really really good and it's like 10 bucks Hmm, wow. sounds very good actually. David. Yeah. Yes. The blank that you were missing and I and I know you know it. Uh when first illustrated did the first. Class, yeah, did remember when they did the classics illustrated stuff? <sighs> yes. Ge- Geary did uh Great Expectations and I think he did um one or did he do The Invisible Man? I think he yeah, did. Yeah, but he also worked for National Lampoon in the in the 70s. You probably saw his stuff in there. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Awesome illustrator. He is. Christ. Cristo. Let's look at the clock, peeps. Let's see what we got. Peeps, yo. Uh, well. Is it about in your travels? It's about in your travels time, because you know why? What up? Because this episode of 11 O'Clock Comics has been brought to you by <laughs> Di- you. Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, where you can get all your favorite funny books and collectibles at huge discounts. I'll say them again. All 55 DC number zero issues, half price, 87.23. Fashion Beast number one, Alan Moore, say no more. Uh, 50% off, $1.99. Grant Morrison, Derek Robertson, happy number one, $1.49. Alejandro Yodorowski's Meta Barons, 45% off, which is a damn good discount for Humanoids books, $32.97. And in your travels, I guess I'll do the old fallback. I mentioned it before. Go out and get it if you are a fan of horror or monsters or EC Comics or, yeah, Jim Warren stuff uh, at Warren Publishing. Go get Carrie Gamble's Bella Lugosi's Tales from the Grave from Monsterverse. Ooh. Uh, it, latest issue is issue number two. It has a Rick Baker cover. You don't see one of those every day. No. True that. And uh, some of the writers in this issue, Carrie Gamble, uh, see if you know anybody else. The artists are Neil Vokes, uh, Carrie Gamble, and uh, a lot of people probably you've never heard before, but when you see their art, you'll be like, damn, where have I been? And the back cover is by Mike Hoffman. A.K.A. Frank Fazetta, <laughs> but don't yeah, say, yeah. don't don't say that to Mike Hoffman. Uh, he <laughs> he he just unabashedly just 
appropriated Frazetta's style. But it's a great, li- it's a great little illustration. But it, you know, if you like Frazetta, you'll like Mike Hoffman a whole bunch. There you go. Okay. <laughs> well, how could you? How could you? How could you work around that? Look at Hoffman's stuff. It's pure goddamn Frazetta. It is. Well, me and exposition took place in 1893. By the way, I should have I should have known that. Um, shame on shame uh. my in your travels is kind of a preview. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd mentioned that, uh, I was all giddy about reading um, um, Get Euro, and I hope I'm saying that right. It's uh, um, J I R O, um, and it is the new Anthony Bourdain. Uh, original graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, he co-wrote it, and um, uh, it is. Gosh, who is putting it out? I, don't know, I ordered it. Um, isn't it DC? Is it, wait, no, it's Vertigo, isn't it? I was Vert- about to say it's a Vertigo. No kidding. Yeah, it's Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's in DC. All right. It's um, um, it's not like Wonton Soup. But it is uh, a near future uh, action book about a terrible description, but it's got, it's got <laughs> culinary twists and turns to it. And and I I, I, I haven't read it yet, but uh, uh, I'm definitely gonna uh, uh, sit down this weekend and read it. It should be in tomorrow. Uh, but there's a compa- there's a movie, a documentary that I'm almost um, finished with, uh, called uh, Euro Dreams of Sushi, and it is a documentary about um, a guy who is probably um, the most um, respected and renowned sushi chef in the world, and uh, an amazing film about dedication perseverance and perfection of a craft striving to every day than you were last and it it gets into uh, family and the responsibilities of, of sons to their fathers and vice versa uh, a really outstanding documentary uh, not about about a lot of different things and and I have to feel like since the name is the same that there's that there's some connection uh between between this uh, amazing sushi chef and uh and the euro character in in Bourdain's I read it I am intrigued I I do want to check the book out I can't wait for Chris to make us the uh the meal the the foods from the book uh, the next time we come to Chicago Ooh. Uh, I don't do sushi, but uh, I have I'm uh, I'm excited to uh uh to cook for you guys again. So we already started thinking about a, about a few things. I'm gonna nice. get there we go. Yeah. I thought Michael Simon's restaurant in Cleveland, right? Oh, you did go there? Yeah. Uh what about it? Oh, it was amazing. I don't doubt it. He's the man. It was it was fantastic, and I had like all organ meats. You would have hated it. <laughs> Do you dick on? Uh, 
No. Who Nick? What? what was that? You broke up a little bit, but he couldn't hear you. you yeah. Said, you dig on the organ meats. Organs I'm not a fan of the organ meats shit? myself. No, I do not like organ meats. It, um, uh, sweetbreads there that were amazing. Um, not that it's organ, but uh, kind of the the signature appetizers: beef cheek pierogies, um, which were amazing. And I had uh, lamb heart as my entree, and it was. Well, see, I don't know if I would if I would order that stuff, but if if it was presented to me and it's like you know try this, I'd probably try it. I'd give it a whirl, yeah. I, I'm not too fussy, but um, I wouldn't scan the menu and say, you know what, that lamb heart looks really good. Is it? I have no basis. Yeah. At all, you know what I mean? Yes. How about some ham? I'll have some ham. There you go. <laughs> Taylor ham. down. What else we got? Uh, I, I have um, something I went back to after I was letting a few issues build up, and um, I decided to go back to about the fifth or sixth issue and read up to date on Supergirl. And I am kind of kicking myself for letting it pile up but very happy that it's still going strong. I like the way the um, it's it's very well paced, and and Mahmoud is knocking it out with each issue. And there was one uh, guest artist issue, and that was uh, pencils by George Perez, inks by Bob Wyacek, and they did a great job filling in. And uh, there's George there's, Perez is no Mahmoud. No, he isn't. He isn't, and, it, and there were definitely differences, but uh, it was still, uh, they each have their own way, and, and I was very happy to see Mahmoud back with um, with the following issue, but they, uh, I, I like how I don't have to see what else is going on in the DC Universe. Superman made his appearance early on in the second issue, but after that, uh, there have been a few obstacles Supergirl's had to overcome. She's had to realize that uh, that that her home is destroyed. She's uh, come across some bad guys uh, called the World Killers, and they uh, they fought in and around Battery Park and and in parts of New York City. Then um, there's a young woman who has appeared, and she can actually. She she can translate, you know, whether human, mammal, animal, it doesn't matter. She can, she understands what you're saying. So so she's actually able to talk to Kara, and uh, and and the way it came about, the way she was introduced, didn't feel like it was forced or anything. It's just been a nice progression as as the series has gone on. Uh, we've also been introduced to the Silver Banshee, and I just I'm I'm very happy with the series it's it's one of the few of the um from the new 52 that's that's about a year old now that uh is that i'm still happy to be sticking with so i would recommend it did they model the silver banshee on the the uh superman villain like is it is it a new 52 version of that i think so yes nice yeah not like a hot chick with a skull face. And and she's the daughter of the Black Banshee. It was it was a pretty cool setup. I dug it. Cool. Yeah, and it looks good. 
Mahmoud's great. Yes. He is, man. Very good. So I'm going to give you a little In Your Travels reading homework in anticipation of something that we will be deeply discussing come next year when it hits the stands. <laughs> what I need you all to do is, if you are mark-ass busters and you haven't been, you need to take some time over the next six months to get caught up on Archie Comics, Sonic the Hedgehog, Mega Man, and Sonic Universe. That's right. Three titles that uh, are the jam and all ages and the jam, respectively. Um, both Sonic and Mega Man are uh, are written by the uh, same dude, Ian Flynn, and he uh, he. It's official. It was official this week that uh, Sega and Capcom uh, have signed off on a first ever Sonic the Hedgehog and Mega Man crossover event. It will be a twelve issue crossover that will take place in those three titles starting next year and uh, I for one can't wait and uh, like I said you've got six months to get familiar with the uh, underlying works and uh, be uh, prepared to come along for the ride yep you know Ian Flynn is the Chris Claremont of the Sonic universe yeah yeah, for sure I'm not talking the negative aspects (laughs) of Chris Claremont and next year marks the the reason I'm doing this next year marks the 20th anniversary of Archie putting out Sonic comic books it flew by it has crazy right and and how those books have matured and developed um, visually and artistically and story wise over the past just like five years six years it's incredible what they're doing with with Sonic and Mega Man but uh, Sonic's in the heart, you know what I mean. Yeah, I like yeah. Mega Man, but it's kind of hard to not love the Blue Bomber. True that, true bomber. Yeah, there we go. The um, okay. you know, I I I, I got to give some love to each of you. What's this about? Oh, well, because it, it was primarily because of the of the top shelf sale on Comicsology today, but I thought of each of you. As I was making my purchases, because I picked up BB Wolf. Oh, I picked up Super Spy. Nice, cool beans. And I picked up the American Elf sketchbook. Nice. Check yourself. How the freak can you not at that those prices? Yeah, seriously. They're BB giving Wolf, them I think, was two bucks. American Elf, we know, was two bucks. But I think the Super Spy was was maybe five five ninety nine, and then wow. the Lost Dossiers was two bucks. So. You got the black dossier for two bucks? No, no, no. The Super Spy Lost dossier. Oh, I thought you said black. I was going to like, what? That would have been something. Yeah. That's a great sale. Chris Stiles, he's on top of it. And it also, it ties into the premiere or the, the, the underwater welder, I believe, came out today. That's true. That's another one, yeah. So Jeff Lemire, and that's that that that's on sale for nine ninety nine at Comicsology, but I do believe it's it's um, premiering at San Diego this week. So people on the Twitter were like, "Where the heck am I going to get the money for today?" Because there were so many good things coming out. Yeah, a really crazy week. It was nutty. I cannot wait to read Underwater Welder. Oh, it, but you know what? It, it, the one table at the at the shop was all Walking Dead. Just uh, um, Walking Dead 100 comes out, right? Yeah, tons of Walking Dead covers. I gotta say, quietly stood out from the pack. That surprises you? Yeah, I'm no, no. Quietly's cover was amazing. Um, nine? Wow. 
play with a with, there was a chromium one in there too. I was like, oh, wow, really? Do we have to go there? <laughs> yeah, chromium. Uh, it's all did shiny. Did did, uh, did anybody catch the black and white pilot Sunday night from The Walking Dead? I heard it was great. It really was. Yeah, my, what? my what? TiVo recorded it because it was flagged as a new episode, so I have. It. Oh, is that why my DVR recorded it? Yep, it's black and white. Oh, I was wondering. I thought it was just because it was mis- like mislabeled 2012 and it made a mistake. Oh, no, it's, no. It's, it's, it's just the pilot. Just the pilot, yeah. It's just a, it's that whole episode. But done in black and white, right? But in black and white and all the Oh, I deleted it without looking at it. Oh, it, it, well, it was pretty cool. If, if you, if you want to look at it again, Jason, you can just watch the first episode but turn the color down on your TV. But it's it's also sure. AMC, so I'm sure it'll be repeated. But it's um, it uh, aside from looking really cool, it just it it made me miss Morgan and how we're going on to the third season. We still haven't seen him again. So, truth. Tip of the hat to Mr. George Romero, granddaddy of all the zombie stuff. That's how he do. Yeah. Pittsburgh, go Pittsburgh! All right, everybody. Thanks for being here. Once again, we'll be back next week, same time. Did Chris just say something? It sounded like he did. What's Pittsburgh doing? Pittsburgh. That's Romero's country. That's where he's from. Besides the pirates being a pain in my balls. My balls. My balls. <laughs> it's from every time. LSP. LSP. You got you to see the cover of Marceline and the Scream Queens. Nice. Bemo's getting friggin' zapped. And this poor little guy's, ah, it's cool, so cool. <laughs> Oh my God! Fan, you know you love my lumps. Frank, Frank DeJesus sends me. Frank DeDildenator sends me a tweet, and and he says, um, "Dude, Bimo's in my office right now. I can't stop laughing because of my coworker who sounds just like Bimo. It's just <laughs> <laughs> thank God there's nobody in my office like that. I wouldn't get anything done. It's it's hard enough to listen to you do LSP. <laughs> it's true. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> you love my lumps. Uh, oh, she is. I'm ready, Brad. Uh, <laughs> space princess. Oh. All right, everybody. Like I said, next week we'll be back. Be here. Yeah. Or else. It's true. Do it. With David's balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Later, later. <laughs>